1: to we have issues geek elite media show it's about everything literary books comic books web comics manga and everything else you might be reading we're here to talk about it as always i am your host keith and i'm joined by my Wars sidekick who's always at my side host way. hey and happy report
2: that i'm probably one of the last people um and if you haven't just go do it to actually get vaxxed so that happened mm. happened last sunday so that's why it feels like it was forever ago um luckily to report i didn't fall down with the sickness but then i, st- I honestly i didn't feel with anything I, I felt like my my arm was sore sure i, I knew I how to shot so she felt like she had like a dead arm the whole time it was just like severely sore but we didn't come down with the sickness i'm kind of like did they actually do it right <laughs> i hope they did if i fucking right i felt the shot going
0: yeah
2: uh but yeah i'm back to so part one i'm hoping uh the next one comes down uh, yeah in a couple of weeks so i can safely go do stuff later Nice. Yeah.
1: You kept saying down with the sickness, and I'm like... Oh, yeah, no, that's not (laughs) good. I was like, stop. (laughs) So, um, awesome. Well, we are going to talk about all the books from this week. However, as always, talk about any news that we um, might have. And I don't have a lot this week. Uh, Just two things jumping out at me. Uh, The first thing is we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of Miles Morales. Oh, damn. Nice. Yeah. And so, for the anniversary, Marvel is going to go back to the beginning, quote. They're going to release Ma- Miles Morales' Marvel Tales. It's going to collect Miles' debut in Ultimate Fallout 4. Oh, sick. And Ultimate Com- Comics Spider-Man 1 through 5. And it's only going to be $7.99. Oh, damn. Oh, shit. So, 8 bucks for six issues of comics.
2: That's actually really pretty cool. cool. <laughs> like, right behind yeah. my, my Coraline doll is the, the Ultimate Comics Miles Morales omnibus. Because um, I really, I jumped on Miles Morales, like to really collect collect his stuff. It was like run, during Secret Wars, so his actual six one six introduction to come to come over from that sign and make him permanent that way is when I started to really collect him. So I only, I only have like sporadic issues from him when he was in his original universe. And man, that omnibus! I can't wait to actually read his shit from the start. So but that's really cool, like to actually start that yeah. way.
1: They're also gonna do a series of variant covers across the Marvel releases like they do sometimes when they do a theme character. So they're going to do a bunch of Miles Morales covers, which is cool. And they're also going to release an oversized installment of the current Miles Morales Spider-Man series. So like the one you're reading, like an oversized. So pretty cool. Um, Lots of good stuff. So uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention, and this isn't news because everybody should know this by now, (laughs) but what I need to know this way, and we haven't talked about this. We didn't prep this at all. Yeah. What did you think of that Eternals trailer?
2: Oh my god, dude, it was fucking
1: awesome.
2: <laughs> like, I, it sucks. I'm just like, I, I draw a blank, and we just call him, like a, we just call him Paperboy. But when he's just like doing his shit, as <laughs> hey, he was the best part of Joker. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, he he was. Uh, but god damn me, like seeing him do like his thing and it's like, oh. Oh my God, I'm just I'm so fucking excited for this fucking movie. Like, it's just like everything about this movie, like the shot with Black Knight, which was was just there. Everything. It's just, it's going to be magical. So when the ship just appears and it's like, oh, like it already kind of felt, it did have that tone, that Marvel formula, but something about the way that ship appeared was just already different.
1: Yeah. I tell you, I, I really liked everything about it. Mm-hmm. But the thing I, I, Coming out of that, the thing I was not excited about that I'm actually kind of excited about is Barry Kogan as, as, um, oh my mind, I'm blank. The, oh my God. The, 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 the bad guy one. <laughs> God damn it. Um, Drewig? Druig, thank you. Um, yeah, there's like brief shots of him and I'm like, oh, he's fucking perfect. Oh, yeah, I'm oh. like, oh. I got really excited about that, so I uh, know seeing um, um, Kamail
2: dancing in that little like Bollywood esque scene was like, spot, oh my yeah. god, it just melted my heart. It was really yeah. cool. Uh, I'm very fucking excited for this movie. Again, it was one of those where we was just like, I was hopeful because this was it's just, this one's literally it could have been said for uh, Black Panther then, but this one for sure because it's just and more in the weirdness. This is the MCU's next Guardians move. Whereas, like, hopefully it fucking works, because, like, and humans didn't, and this is, like, their next step towards that one, because they, they're they not really fucking with the mutants yet. But, oh my god, no, I can just, I can go
1: off on the fucking trailer. It was just awesome. And just visually? Yeah. Breathtaking. Yeah. Just gorgeous. It, That's Chloe Zhao, man. That's I what I'm forgot, telling you. When I, I saw forgot. When I saw Land, I'm like... <laughs> That's it. That's what this whole movie was, basically. It wasn't so, until the yeah. end with, like, the shot. Eternal
2: is like, oh, fucking yeah, it, was the, it is that director. And, like, yeah, I'm, I'm so stoked for this movie. Really good stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited, too. Um, yeah. Um, I think it's going to be really, 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 really good. And I'm very excited to see it. And I'm just excited we have a comic book going on for them right now. <laughs> Again, we talked about that. Marvel's really smart with stuff like that. Yeah. Let's tie it in, you know. So, yeah, we have that to look forward to. We still have Black Widow before the end of the year. We still have Loki. <laughs> we still have Hawkeye. We still have... What if? What if we have another movie? Oh, Shang-Chi. Oh, yeah. So, okay. we have a lot of Marvel content coming up, so I'm very excited. So. Wait, and supposedly what? Spider-Man for Christmas, right?
2: Wasn't it for December?
1: Maybe. I think so. Yeah. That sounds right. So, But we're not just here to talk about Marvel, guys. We saved that for for last, actually. We're here to talk about all the comics that came out this week. Um, Release date, this uh, new comic book day was May the 26th, Wednesday. So that's everything but DC, because DC doesn't play well with us. (laughs) 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 We're going to jump a day ahead, and if you didn't pull it, then it's going to be gone when you get there on Wednesday to pick up your other books. (laughs) So, thanks for that, but... We're here to talk about those books, and as always, we have a huge list, so we are not going to waste any time. We're going to jump straight into it, and we start, as always, not with a bang, but a boom. A boom. boom Comics. And we have a couple of boom books this week, um, and I think we share both of them. Let me just grab what I got right here. I believe we do. Yes, we do. It is uh, two of our favorite books going, and boom continues to just be the best. Uh, let's start with Specter Inspectors number four. Yes. So, quick rundown: uh, this is the one about the the young paranormal investigators who go to this haunted town. One of them gets possessed by a demon. Uh, created and written by Bowen McCurdy and Kaelin Mosto. Art by Bowen McCurdy. Letter by Jim Campbell. This is like I, I really in- I've enjoyed this, but I think this is the first time this series has really genuinely creeped me out. Uh, yeah. I, I it's always been just enough cute that it didn't really creep me out. Mm-hmm. But the guy with the black
2: eyes, the guy with the black eyes, or just even like, like as tender as it was, the conversation at the dock with the kid was still just eerie. And it was just like you just have to play your right, you had to play your right moves and say the right things, or else it's just like just gonna get all fucked up anyway. So no, like yeah. there was just two stories that just played out very creepy in their own way. But yeah, the guy was the man with no eyes is, is a great design yeah creep me
1: out when he did the thing at the end he leans forward i'm like oh fuck no <laughs> no the fuck not i'm not staying here <laughs> like so um i think we have one more issue yeah yeah i think it's the again does it say to be concluded or t- t- anything?
2: continued but yeah I, I, oh i mean i if it goes more I'm happy I'd, be cool. I'm like, <laughs> I'd be cool if this was just like the first arc and then yeah. to get and then by the next one did the big resolution is getting the spirit out of the friend and then what a season two of the show because like they're, they're running their own show so like why not go out and find more mysteries
1: it could, it could literally be scooby-doo yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> like, and this is one episode of scooby-doo and we'll go to the next one so i'm really really enjoying this book for those of you who have not picked it up it is from boom box mm-hmm. uh it is friendly to people of most ages i would say yes. and just a really great way to uh, look into it. Also, really great LGBT representation. One of the better books for that Absolutely. Right so, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about LGBT representation this week. If there's a theme this week, that's probably oh, it to be fair. <laughs> so that leads us to a book we've waited a little while for. Yes. Uh, that, that we absolutely love. It took a break, but it's back. And that is, Something is Killing the Children number 16 16 16 issues in man i love it (laughs) now 15 is where the arc would have ended if it didn't you know i don't think it really like or the series would have ended if they didn't you know if it didn't pick take off yeah that would have been the logical story to make it a mini or something like that but obviously it's one of the biggest books in comics (laughs) right now so uh written by james tinney in the the fourth almost said the third um (laughs) <laughs> illustrated by Werther de la Dera, colored by Michael Muerto, and letter by Ann World Design, we get to see the origin of Erica Slaughter. And if you didn't like her character design before, imagine her as an adorable little girl. <laughs> I fucking love this book. God, this book just gets me more every time. I, I'm so glad we both have the masks with the with the teeth oh, on. Oh, hell yeah, it's right behind me. Yeah, mine's in my closet right now. <laughs> it's actually in my uh, sock drawer. I have it there just in case. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Erica. Basically, we find out that Erica was a child, and one of these monsters killed her family and her best friend, and she witnessed it and basically killed it with her, with by herself with no help. And that kind of shows her as having, you know, extraordinary talent at it. Uh, she meets a hunter from the House of Slaughter who decides to take her in, which is against the rules. And basically, we just get into the House of Slaughter, and we're going to find out so much about the House of Slaughter. Yeah. Which is what we've really well, wanted to do this. Is gonna this. Be we're going to, like, tell us more. So, yeah, I'm super excited for this. Um, and I, I really
2: like this take, too, where it's like, let's do it as a flashback instead of just, like, going... Or in case, like, when Erica does end up going back, we don't have to, like, then explain what everything means. I like that. It's like, we're yeah. using, like, Erica, the one, like, the elusive one that wouldn't, that's not going to say much... Now we serve. Like she serves as a, as a proxy. We get to learn it from her perspective, and it's just like it's really fucking cool. Not to mention her yeah. fucking mentor Jessica, so fucking cool. I I, I loved her yeah. so much.
1: The bit with her and Cecilia where they're arguing. Oh my god! Is like, is she one of the her. bullies. <laughs> 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 yes. Like it's so great. And I like when she's like, "We're taking you to see the dragon." She's like, "Dragon," <laughs> like so. I really, really, really enjoyed this, dude. Like, I, I, this is going
2: to be such a great arc already. Huge welcome back! I it's its a book that a book I definitely missed. It's
1: uh, sorely last. Yes, definitely. People. Awesome. All right, so we're going to move over to Scout Comics, and me and also both have a book, and neither of us share a book. So I'll start off. Mine. I'm not going to spend too much time on because it's not a new release, but this is the second printing. Okay. So I wanted to make sure I picked it up, and uh, I really liked it, and it's called. By the Horns. And um, it's really cool. Uh, So, story by Marcus Nassau. Art, lettering, and design by Jason Moore. Color art and effects by Andre uh, Tabakuro. And, uh, yeah. So, it's just really cool. It's a cool fantasy story. And it just opens up, Josue, with this. With a unicorn... Laying on the ground. with someone about to chop their head oh, off. Shit. And it's from the unicorn's perspective. And it's like, I've always dreamed of dying in a field like this, you know. And then it cuts back one year ago. And we meet this hunter. And she's a babe. A 100% babe. And uh, basically, her name is Elodie. And she's from this like fantasy village. And her job is she goes out and hunts monsters and kills them. And she brings the heads back. And they make soup with the heads that nobody likes to eat because it's disgusting. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> so they're just like, you can stop doing that. You can help in the in the fields. She's like, nope, going to go get more heads. And so basically they're trying to tell her, like, please help us. We need help field in the fields. This is real food. And, like, the village only works if we all work together. But she doesn't want to hear it. You find out her lover was, like, killed by monsters. And you find out they were actually unicorns. Mm. And she, her goal is to kill all the unicorns. <laughs> so basically they have a big argument, the, the elders and the, the guy she's close to tells her, Hey, they're kicking you out of town. You can't stay here anymore because you're not helping in the town. You're just going to kill monsters. They feel like it's dangerous. And he's like, so what they want to do is let you go for a year, get it out of your system and come back. And if it's out of your system, you know, they'll let you back. And so that, this is the story of that year, right? Um, and then there's this great action scene where she's fighting all these monsters, and all she's seeing is you are soup. (laughs) (laughs) Like she just keeps chopping off their heads and stuff, and then she fights this motherfucker. Ooh, that's cool, dude! It's a really gorgeous book. It's it's unusually gorgeous. I love it. Um, she has a wolf companion that talks to her. It's really cool. Um, we get to find out some of the monsters, like the vorsect, a highly venomous hexapod invertebrate, or like. That one is the uh, dragon whale, and it says remember to look up periodically when traveling over open spaces like stuff. Like it's just oh, really cool. kind of cool. So, and there is there is a bit of magic in it. Like one of the uh, shopkeepers is like a bear person. Oh, oh a red
0: panda like, dude. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's yeah. a red panda, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like an old dude too, and basically he's like. There's there's a wizard that's fucking up our town. She's like, I could care less. Is it a unicorn wizard? You know, basically. Like and he's just like, Well, help us. And she's like, Why should I? He's like, Well, he has two unicorns. And he's like, She's like, Fine. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. So that's her whole goal is to kill these unicorns. But one of the unicorns he has, they cut to it, is the one at the beginning. Oh, okay. And we know that that that's taken place nine months before that. So there's still nine months before they even have that confrontation somehow. Mm -hmm. So I really liked it. I thought it was very fun. I'm definitely going to get Liz to read it. So Uh, what about yourself? You have Black Friday 2. I have
2: Black Friday 2 from Scouts Imprint, uh, Black Caravan. And this one is by uh, the writing and the colors are by John Clark and illustrations by Travis Williamson and lettering by April Brown. So this is that story of of Black Friday where what if you're, what if the, the place you work at is an actual gate to hell? Because we've all thought that, and our workplace suck. <laughs> Turns out it's real, and then we finally actually get—we finally get to see the demons in this issue, which is actually really cool. It wasn't just like figuratively. Look how dope they are. They're just like, oh, that's dope. That's creepy like yeah, at that all. Yeah, they have like <laughs> that distorted, like too long of l- legs or arms. Just like just creeping, but that smile over here though. This one, God, I love this. So oh much. yeah. It just it it makes for it makes for really good twisted faces. And for some really brutal killings, again, it's like very like weird drawing. These are just like the people. Mm -hmm. But then you have like a brutal death scene of how like being everything's being ripped open. It's it's really brutal. It's very kind of fucked up. (laughs) And then so I thought I thought it was just gonna be like, oh, it's just like the one monster that they have to deal with. Nope. It's an actual gate to hell and more demons start popping out. (laughs) And it just becomes like all the staff members just start dropping. Everybody starts brutally getting murdered, and then there's just like this one gorgeous page where just they they fo- where our protagonist focuses. He focuses on one demon where he has like the creepiest one. It's a whole page spread. It's really fucking cool. It's, he's just so creepy. The whole like just the whole description is just like how he looks, how the way like the the jaw got, got broken open, how he can tell how this demon ripped uh, the pinkies and like some of the toes and jagged jagged them up so like so he can keep adding them as teeth. And it just becomes one of those, like, don't ask me how I know. It's just like, I, I just, I just do is what he says. So it just becomes one of those, like, like the author's like word of, word of law where it's like, it just, it's just true just so we can move forward, but it's just to add to the creepiness. And it just becomes like the one demon that's just like fixated on just like killing the, like, the dude, the protagonist, or or everybody, because fuck it, you're out of hell, and it just and the whole issue is just that it's just running around, just escaping. The only, I guess, the only downside is that really the only people that just end up kind of dropping the most dead are like the people of color, or just kind of like that kind of sucks. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, no, like the the demons really do stick out. And they just look fucking awesome the way that, how this art just works for these demons. It just add, it just adds to their to all of like horror and their creepiness. So. That's Black Friday,
1: really cool. Can I ask you did you watch Army of the Dead by the way? Uh, no, not yet. When you said that when you're like all the all the people of color dropping and I was like what is this is Zack Snyder? <laughs> okay, God damn it. Now I'm kind of like going to be more pissed when I watch it then. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say this. The characters you immediately like don't 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 attach to. Them. <laughs> okay. Then. Don't attach to anyone for the record, but anyways, yeah. So, awesome. All right, let's switch over two black masks man this this company came out of nowhere for us (laughs) yeah right (laughs) so let's start with Alison leatherland number two a book that we picked up because of the name originally because we're like well i gotta know what that's about (laughs) so uh, and man i'm glad we did uh created by yolanda zanfardino and alicia romboli written by yolanda zanfardino illustrated by lisa romboli and uh yeah Published by Black Mask Entertainment. Um I had a thought reading this. Yeah. I, again, I'll start with my basic review of it. I really enjoyed this issue. Yes. I liked it a lot more than the first one, and I really liked the first <laughs> one. Um In a world where we don't have Getting it Together, I'm so glad this book exists now. You know, oh, like yes. having having that it's basically like it's kind of similar in that it's, you know, these personal world relationship developments in San Francisco, like, and with a lot of LGBT representation, obviously I really like the, the main two characters. Yeah. Um, and Robert. the will they, won't they thing going on? Yeah. And Alice is adorable and just like so innocent. Um, I love, like, so basically, guys, so this is the story, it's the LGBT story, of the the woman who writes fairy stories, finds out she's being cheated on by her girlfriend, and on a whim, moves to San Francisco with the girl who does the art for her stories. Um, the girl, She doesn't know the girl who does the art for her stories is madly in love with her. Um, and they're just kind of, like, dealing with that. And there's so many cute moments in this that I just absolutely loved. I love her buying the proud mama bear shirt. Oh my god! Dude. And then happening like, <laughs> yeah, she happens upon a bunch of actual, you know, or, gay men, or, gay bear men just who just the bear section, yeah, <laughs> yeah, who just throw her on their shoulders and carry her off. Basically, like <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's great.
2: Um, no, dude, the, the scene before that, the whole interaction between Alice and Robin, and how it just like, oh, fuck, it just gets really super uncomfortable for Alice. Dude, mm-hmm. just to amplify the scene. While I was reading this, Sochi uh, in the room on the other side was literally playing Work Bitch from uh, Britney Spears. So it would totally <laughs> be a song that we'd be playing in the background while like everybody's hyping up Robin and Alice is just being like, I don't know what to fucking do here. It, I was dying on this scene just because the song was actually playing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's. I haven't missed a Pride-like festival. Yeah since lockdown until today <laughs> i was like oh that's what it was like it's a lot of fun yeah and i, I know there's a lot of discourse right now about pride mm-hmm. uh, especially on twitter about what exactly this this is pride yeah Th- this is what pride should be in every way shape and form basically it's just so much joy and that's what pride should be is happiness you know what i mean like it's just great um but yeah she we get we get to see her actually develop a little bit of a relationship with her roommates. And, you know, she tells them their story, and it's adorable, and they, they get her a job. Oh, great, she's got a job. What's she going to be doing? Well, she's working in Leatherland, and <laughs> which is a sex toy store, and she's incredibly anxious about it. <laughs> and it's adorable. She's trying to get used to it. Uh, the owners hesitant at first, but then he starts. He, he shows her around, shows you know, shows her things and stuff. She gets embarrassed about some of the kinkier stuff, you know. But um, yeah, that's kind of where we leave off. I really enjoyed this book. It's like it's it's like watching a great sitcom, you know, like or not even a sitcom, like because not like you know, not like that kind of comedy, but you know, like a good comedy show, like it's oh, fun. Dude, I'd be
2: dying the whole it's fucking great. time, like the breakfast scene. With like yeah. the the gimp still being there. He's just around as like almost like the butler and the dominatrix just, yeah. just like dumps like her coffee on him and he's just like,
0: ah, uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I made
2: a mess over this show.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's great. I absolutely love it. And I mean, I don't think it would be nearly as charming if the if the main character wasn't the most adorable character in comics oh, <laughs> like i just, just i just absolutely love her so yeah great book uh next up is destiny new york number three awesome. okay so let's talk about the elephant in the room uh, i bought all three volumes of <laughs> destiny, how ahead are you now i didn't read them Oh, okay i keep picking them up and being like no <laughs> no maybe when we catch the f- end of the first volume in comics then i will okay But I'm just like, no, 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 no. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. So, quickly run down the creative team. Uh, Written by Pat Chand. Illustrated by Manuel Pretano. Letter by Jim Campbell. Um, So, this is the ongoing story of the people who are destined to do something. And they have to go to this destiny school where, you know, they are taught. And our main character went to the school. But then she fulfilled her destiny immediately. She's a child of prophecy, and she's already done. And it's the whole, what do you do with your life when the world is done with you? And it's been really, really good. She also uh, met a young woman named Lilith, who is hot. (laughs) And they've been hooking up, and they seem to be really close right away. What she doesn't know is that uh, one of her good friends, uh, Gia, is destined to kill the girl she's dating now. And she has a date. Plan with gia <laughs> so this is awkward um we also get to see um augustine one of her co-workers a lot and what's going on with him and his boyfriend oh, God. which is pretty cute his boyfriend's like a big burly dude but he's cute he's got a cute little look about yeah, him. yeah i know i just like the scene was just like a little heartbreaking oh it was, it was heartbreaking it was so heartbreaking so it was
2: because I, I i know like walking into the scene I was like oh finally yes his lifestyle because a character i've actually been curious about and then it's like, oh, cool. And he's a little gamer. But then at the end, it's like, oh, my God, come on. Yeah.
1: And then um, the character that I thought was a joke and wasn't going to return, which is the young white boy wizard in glasses with a scar on his forehead that's destined to beat the Dark Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he keeps popping up. The good news is no one likes him, which is an adequate thing to do, considering. Yeah, considering. what? Yeah. We also find out a lot more about like different there's so many characters and so much going on in this one. Yeah. Um, one thing we find out is Lilith has a sister and they're magically um, bonded where one can't hurt the other, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really cool idea. Um, we get to meet a band called the Postmoderns, which is great. And I know Jose was like, oh, I know what this sounds like. You, <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, really enjoying it and uh not to spoil too much because it's it's it is a story driven book, you know. And this one it's not set like up
2: be... for the conclusion of this volume.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we'll see what's going on here. Um I really enjoyed it, and I'm staring at my books up there and really wondering <laughs> what do you think it was? Like. <laughs>
2: no, I I thoroughly enjoyed it because like it's like a, there are a lot of pieces moving, a lot of things kind of being set up. Um, but yeah, it is like to go uh, culminating to this the this first volumes like just uh, finale or just like at least to leave us with like the mm-hmm. next juicy cliffhanger but a lot of things are set up here for for this next issue that i'm just like i'm really excited because like i actually do enjoy all these characters
1: yeah definitely uh they're just it's just fun and i like i like the way you start with a core of two or three yeah. and then you build and build and build and build and that's how you do these kind of stories mm-hmm. and again we compare it to like a tv show that's why, like, like we'll take a show like Community, right? right? You have the show Community, and you have just the people in the in the study room. Mm-hmm. But by the end of watching Community, we're all we're all saying pop pop, <laughs> you know. We're 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 telling Leonard to shut up, you know. Like like we all know what we, Fat and the Old, Like we know all these other characters because they slowly trickle them Pons in, with- and we expend the circle. <laughs> what was that? We're making puns with Chang in it. Yes, yes, exactly. Or Dean. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's that's what makes it great. Is you start with a small group, and you slowly introduce them. And the best part is, every character you introduce is going to be somebody's favorite character. Mm-hmm. So, that's great. All right, so that d- finishes off with Black Mask. Next, we're going to switch over to Dark Horse very briefly. I have one book, and that book is Lady Baltimore number three. <coughs> uh, written... By Mike Mcnolan and Christopher Golden, art by Bridget Connell, colors by Michelle Madsen, letters by Clem Robbins. This is the um, the Witch Hunter Tale, and um, I'll just I'll just sum it up perfectly. Um, the only thing worse than witches is Nazi witches, <laughs> the Hexen Corps. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's so great! So you have these Nazi Nazi witches. It's all you know. They're trying to stop our our heroes. For some reason, the Nazi witches will not go into this specific town, and so our heroes retreat to the town, and they find out that there's a a shrine of Joseph, J-O-S-E-F. I got it, sorry. The Haxes ha- Hags. <laughs> I like Hexencore, personally. <laughs> um, but you find out Joseph is a golem. Oh, okay, nice and he basically was built to destroy witches and that's why the witches won't come anywhere near because if they do he'll wake up and chase them down and kill them so our heroes are like well let's take him and help him and have him kill the witches and they're like but he's the only reason the people in this town are safe do we do that and so there's like this whole dispute as to what they're going to do uh it's really interesting i'm really really enjoying it and uh there's only two more issues left but um i'm excited to see where it goes so and I've heard really good things about it from other people too. Uh, like at my local comic book store, um, the guy up front, he's like, "That's one of the." F-. He's like, "We," because they didn't have any. I had to find this in another store. Oh, okay. And he's like, "Yeah, we only got one copy that wasn't reserved, and that was mine." <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was shit. like, "Yeah." So yeah, cool guy though. Um, now we're going to switch over to image. Uh, we have several image books. Several. I will start off. Uh, several. <laughs> we have six actually. Um, we have. Uh, we each have solo books i'll start with my solo book because i only have one also has several <clears throat> uh it's the old guard tales through time uh so it's the mini series telling you know little bits of the history of the characters from the old guard um and hosway yeah i know you haven't been reading this but uh <laughs> i'm just gonna read off the creative team for the first story written by kelly sue DeConnick. ah cool <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> art by yeah, art, art by Valentine Delandro, colored by Re- Re- Rebecca McConnell. But yeah, She ah, don't even Kelly get, Kelly fucking
2: too. get me started. I got late. Sorry, just a little quick tangent. I got late to books with pictures. So I usually kind of get there, want to get there before noon. Like so, sometimes I'm I, like again, like this week, it, it'd be like three titles where I get the last issue of certain of certain things, where there are just that lot. happens to me a lot too. Yeah, um, so I get there a little later than usual, and then. Good, good old Nick. It just like almost like rushes back to the back corner while as I'm like picking him up. I was like, "Dude, where were you?" I was like, "What do you mean, Matt Fraction was here?" I was like,
0: "What, dude? No,
2: I need to move to." Park. I missed <laughs> him by like probably by like thirty minutes or something. I was like, uh-huh. "I was like, this is why you fucking hit me up." But I mean, if Matt Fraction was in the store, my phone would be nowhere near me either. I'd be like, "Hey, Matt, what the fuck is up?" Right. So yeah, that happened.
1: That's awesome. Uh, and then there's the second story written by Eric Troutman, art by Mike Henderson, and colored by Danielle Mia. So the first story is actually a story of a samurai. Ooh. And uh, you find out that he's not the, the, the old guard. It's uh, Noriko uh, from the old guard. The character you barely see in the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's basically he, he talks about everything he's done through his, old, his long life. And then she's the one who kills him in the end. So that's that story. And the other one is an Old West story, where it it, it feels like a Jonah Hex story, but it's really, really good. (laughs) Nice. Um, Where it's basically like these bad guy cowboys are about to kill somebody for no reason, and he steps up and takes them out. So, um, yeah, really good. I'm I'm enjoying filling in the holes, you know, with all this. Um, It makes me want to go back and get the actual original run, uh, so I can read the comic book version. I loved the movie, so... Uh, So that's my only image solo. Josue, let's start with Bitterroot 13. Oh, man. Okay. So it's getting
2: kind of harder where I like, at least specifically for Bitterroot, because it's definitely a book I want everybody to enjoy. But it's like, so this book became one of those where it's like, fuck yeah, I'm reading it. So here all the dropping all the spoilers. But now that I know that's a movie, it's going to be a movie. It's it's so hard to, to pick and choose what I can actually tell about this. Especially this fucking issue. Issue 13 was awesome. Creative team, just because they deserve it. Creators are David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green. Color artist is Sophie Dodson, and lettering by Hassan Natsame Ah oh, Man, this one just was telling a, like three tales at once. It was jumping a lot over, like a, in time, a lot over a bunch of stuff that are being set up, stuff that we not, are not even spoilers. And now they're all just like, now I'm wondering how they're going to happen or now why they're there. But Again, like there's people that we see graves of people and where it's kind of like, okay, that's going to be a spoiler. So I can't talk about that because now we have to like figure out how we're going to get here. Um, but then there's other stuff that are just like beautiful where it's just, like it's the opposite of, of, of just that. One of our characters mm-hmm. has a kid <laughs> and with somebody that isn't human. So it's like, I can't, again, th- at that point that could be anybody. But when, if you're reading it, it makes sense like on who it could be, but it's just a tender moment. So it's kind of like, it's really fucking cool. There's a whole great scene with uh, with Uncle Ford, which, again, it's one of my favorite characters. He started out, like, really just, like, I'm not here to kill white people, but then he he learns his lesson to not be, like... Because that's being... To not kind of just go for that reason alone and just becomes compassionate in his own way. And then, like, the horrors that they see with uh, fucking uh, Cullen, there's these, like, great, great shots of, um, like, trees that are alive, and they just have, like, this, like... Soren looking eye that just like kind of controls Everything it's it's fucking awesome Like but, and Colin has this again like then He he was because he was the opposite one He was the compassionate one That ended up going through the portal to the other Side um, and then coming back As like the next uncle for so he Started joining the, the cause to just Well fuck it let's just kill the Janu since it's just a bunch of racist white men but now He there's like a great scene where he saves like a bunch of white kids Where it was like it was almost like it looked Like he, it didn't it didn't look like he was gonna like leave them to die just because they were white. It just before you get that thought just because you think he's that character, it just ends up being like he just ends up rescuing them. So it's like a bunch of pieces end up moving in this in this issue too. And then it, it culminates to Blink having such a great fucking speech between like the families uniting. And I can only imagine again like now everything now everything means so much more because now I can only see or want to picture it on the screen. But right now as this it just it's such a great fucking moment. So again, bitter root. Is one of the best books out there. Go read it.
1: Nice. Oh shit! After that,
2: uh, oh god. Okay, um, after that, see what Department
1: of Truth. Yeah, let's do Department of Truth.
2: Department of Truth number nine by James T- uh, Tynan the fourth. Artist is Martin Simmons. Lettering by Eddie Tiberi Car. Oh yeah, well, I, another one where again I want to talk about these books. But I'm i I'm put in this position where like <laughs> I I don't know what to say. I mean, and in this case it's Department of Truth, so it's like, what is real? What are you telling me that I should be following or what should I should be? What is that I believe and now you're making me doubt? Oh boy. We continue with um Hank, right? Yeah, I'm sorry, Hawk. Um uh, fucking Hawk and try to find his last thing, but Hawk, the dude who basically, Mr. Hawk, the, uh, the dude who basically is able to make everything disappear, or how he's able to make all these um, conspiracies believable or not believable, or just make them go away all in general. There's a great moment how to believe in tarot cards or how they work based on a simple deck of cards, because I guess it can kind of play out that way. They, they have a similar... There's similar symbolism on both things, even though they're just two very completely different things. And that's what he starts going with. And that's, that's what he starts... Ah. He, so he starts going going to Cole or getting into it with Cole on what it all means for him and why he's there and how all these conspiracies work and how he's able to make him go away. And it's like... Ah. And it is it is through like the process of belief and how he's able to at least... If it starts getting too big or if it starts becoming too real or if it starts indicating that way, it's like he's the one who kind of manipulates belief by steering certain subliminal messages from here or there so that people can start talking about it in a different way. And it all becomes it all comes down to excuse me, different symbols. Um God, so it's not even just <laughs> it doesn't even become about throwing in subliminal messages on the TV for for you to trigger different conversations based on these symbols, but how Christianity, like what we do know now of Christianity, basically adapting a bunch of holidays from pagan, from from pagan traditions, like Christmas, but so much so, but then still using said symbols in, to their own advantages, like all the beastly creatures, but then just it painting it as Baphomet, even though that's not really, who Satan, or the idea of Satan was. So it just becomes a whole fuck, clusterfuck of a conspiracy of a whole, once again. And, again, it, it comes down to the fucking, like, um, the... God, what are they called? The Masons? and uh, The Freemasons, and how deep it goes after that, and oh, man. It's just nuts. It's so much nuts that the, the next thing that we're going to talk about, again, how it correlates to this one, because it all... At least right now, the mission is who the Starface Man is, since it's at least it's that real, and who the lady in red is, who ends up the one kind of fucking with all the conspiracies anyway. They're trying to get to her, like Hawk, and down to Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> he calls him by just Patsy, and um, <laughs> and so now the next mission is, and in order to get closer to this one, they need to go to the next creature to investigate. Uh, but anyway, the only people that have seen or can actually believe in the star faced man, it's the dude who goes with the scratched like pent- pentagram on his face, is Cole, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, and his partner, um, like the chick that she, the that he's been kind of riding around with. And Hank just leaves, and Hank just leaves him there. So pretty much like go back and ask ask them questions. And next month we get into the next big conspiracy. I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> Uh, next issue is going to be so good with Bigfoot. So, yeah, that was Department of Truth. It gets so fucking hard to talk about this book when it's, I'm the only one reading it because it just, it just sounds like I'm making it up as I go. Or it's just like a book I'm finding that <laughs> nobody else is reading. You're like, and then Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> shows up and <with> am like, <laughs> yeah.
1: Awesome. Uh,
2: Two Moons, number four. Two Moons, number four. <laughs> creative team is a writer, John Arcu- Arcudi. artist right, is Valerio Gian Giorando Riodano. Uh, car, uh, colors is Bill Crabtree lettering by Michael Heisler. <sighs> finally, finally, we get to at least believe Two Moons. Two Moons has been dragged, imprisoned, um, just handcuffed, and now thrown, yeah, th- thrown behind bars, all because he had to kill. Like only everybody only witnessed him shooting a person in the back of the and in, in the back not realizing that he was seeing a real demon manifest. And after that, he's just been on the getaway or, or people on the, or on the rebel side, the South side end up rescuing Mm -hmm. him, which was already weird on, on on its own. (laughs) So he was still more so on the run and they and the and the union finally cut up and got him. But they also got one of the survivors, the only demon that was on the, on the rebel side, influencing the other, the other rebels, but nobody's still believing him. Everybody still thinks that he's, he was just doped up on mushrooms, which he was, but he also <laughs> wasn't lying. <laughs> um, so anyway, like the the demon uh, on the and the, and the next I was still just like antagonizing him. There's a great image where he brings him in. That's like that's the goat's eye. <laughs> he brings him mm-hmm. in and just like makes him see like the cosmos. It's just all just to fuck with him. Um, but there is still. There's other... distance, not just the one demon. There's just so many other fucking demons that are just trying to get to Two Moons. One of them being that he's disguised as a member of the Union. And Two Moons can see this, and he's able to get the the upper hand on him, because the first general, who's basically like a brother to, to Two Moons, who just ha- hasn't been wanting to believe that he's turned, but this time he's just like, his racist side is taking over, and also his orders are taking over. But he's still giving him the benefit of the doubt. So, the demon who's or who's just trying to get to two moons and realize like oh I'm trying to get this guy trying to get this guy out of here. Two moons get the upper, upper hand on him and just ends up killing him. So he ends up revealing himself in front of everybody. And now <laughs> now oh now everybody can believe two moons that he might be telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um I think something nightmare. Uh so now the town is being invaded by a bunch of demons who, because I I guess before dying the demon let out a weird shriek and now the whole town's being invaded and on, <laughs> on the possibility that there might be demons i still don't want to believe because nobody wants to believe that demons are real but it's just like i wish they had two moons, was telling the truth this whole time <laughs> uh but yeah it makes for great designs so i fucking i've been loving these monsters monsters i've been really fucking kicking me up lately in, in comics
1: nice all right we have a couple shared image books uh start with shade calf 3 oh man okay Shadecraft 3, uh, written by Joe Henderson, drawn by Lee Garbett, colored by Antonio Fabella, and lettered by Simon Bolin. This was a really good issue. Um, it started. We're starting to open up a bit. We're starting to get an idea of the world around our main character. Um, obviously, we have the uh, counselor who is helping her. Uh, so as a reminder, those of you out there, this is the book where... Um, the girl suddenly is, like, getting attacked by shadows and something going on with shadows. And then in the last issue, we discover that her brother is her shadow. Yeah. And is following her around. Or so we thought. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so, in this one, basically, we found out, yes, she has powers. And this counselor was sitting here, literally, to find her and train her. And we get some cool training sequences where she's learning how to control the the shadows. And with a lot of superpowers, you know, it's the, you know, control your emotions, use your emotions kind of thing. Makes sense. I love the bit about how she trained with all the lights around her. Yeah. In case the shadow got out of control, they could, like, immediately blow it up with light, which is cool. Um, but yeah, and they discover that the shadows that that basically were going after the guy she liked... They're not gone. They just ran away. And they were created with the emotions, basically, of her being upset that he didn't he didn't like her back. So, she's basically having to try to find those shadows and get rid of them before they kill him, basically. Um, so, she does. And it's kind of her first mission as a hero, somewhat. Mm-hmm. And we get some really cool innovative, like, fighting. Because she has to use her own shadow to fight the shadow. She doesn't physically hit it herself, which is kind of cool. And in the end, she uses her emotions to control it and shrink it down into a bunny. Cute little shadow bunny that she then blows to dust. So, she's like, cool, I got my powers. This is great. And she goes and talks to the guidance counselor. And we get the end of the issue where we find out that the shadow that's following her, that's acting like her brother is not her brother. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking that anyways. I was thinking he's like her memory of her brother. hmm And she's projecting onto it or something like that. Why that one can talk and none of the others have is interesting. We'll see that. But um, I'm really liking this. It's really cool. And obviously with a premise like this and a story or a title like Shadecraft, obviously the use of black and shadow. And it's really, really, really creative. And I really like that. So what do you think? Dude, I fucking love this book. Like as
2: as a whole, like three issues in and It's just been like back to back to back of just like, this is an issue. This is a, a series. I can just like dive like really deep into it. Cause I just, I love the concept. I love how simple or grounded it is with like the characters. And then when it needs to just like pop off on like on the powers, it's just, like, it's actually really cool. I, I I dig it. Like the whole scene in yeah. the fa- scene in the fair where she, uh, yeah, she's using her own shadows, but then she realizes like, Oh, I can just manipulate shadows. So she, when she gets knocked over, she uses, one of the beams from the shadows of the Ferris wheel, so it can be like a stick, and that's so what she holds, like the mob open, and it's like fuck yeah, you can just like do anything. It's it's just it's really fucking cool. Like again, like at this point, like Radiant Black has like really elevated, especially with w- where it left off. But this is like literally what like that that hype that everybody was giving that book. I don't know, I'm just I, I always come back come back to that come back to that book because like it is like the teen who just got powers, you know, and it's like I think I just prefer these powers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was really
1: cool. I'm really, really enjoying it. I love the art, especially mm-hmm. Oh, and the um,
2: art. is yes. fantastic. Like her design is awesome, and again, like the use of black or like the way the shadows can get manipulated. It's just so cool. It's really pretty too.
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, and then our last image book, Helm, a great castle <laughs> number two. I got this cover. Ooh,
2: I got cover A. Hey. Oh, what the fucking woods, fucking actual helm, <laughs> helm great castle.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: So we delve further into the South America of all this, basically <laughs> is the way I would put it um, quickly running on the creative team story by Henry Baraja color by Le- Brian Valenza pencil by Ramat Rem- Handelko letter by Gabriela Downey. Um, so yeah, basically we, we continue to get this creative combination of South American lore with traditional fantasy adventuring party. Um I think the highlight for me in this issue is actually the little dragon dude. I know, right? He's fucking cute as shit. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I just want to pet him <laughs> like, and carry him off. Like It's just great. But yeah, um, what did you think? Because I, I wanted to get your opinion because I saw your tweet about it. And uh, obviously it's it's lore that's, you know, Something that you are interested in. So, what do you think about it?
2: Well, I mean, I mean, I, I do love all the extra bits. I cannot wait to meet up with the proper DM to make sense of this and make a game out of this for me or for us. Yes. Um, so it was, it was a little misleading where you get to half of the issue and that's where it cuts off, and mostly because yeah, my tweet was about the title of this book, which was "Meet Me in Michelin, Meet Me in Michelin, which is which is the Mexican or Aztec underworld. So it was just like what a great fucking title and it's like all that just doesn't doesn't really help until doesn't really get to that until the end of the issue um then you get a great fucking reveal of getting there but up until then like it was a cool i guess it was a the whole point was the journey to there because the whole point the the whole time there i'm just like yeah this little dragon dude is adorable <laughs> just like the, the the two times he was spinning fire was just like oh fuck yeah this is really cool
1: <laughs> yeah no, I do like that they have the adventure here. And it does use the open game license, so it is 5e compatible. It's just D&D rules. Basically. Yeah, because like
2: the last one had the oxo- oxo- like Warriors, as thing you would fight. So
1: first and foremost, I'd yeah.
2: probably never fight. I, I, as soon as I confront them, I'd probably just give up because they'd be too fucking cute with their little seal- shields and swords. I'd let them kill me. <laughs> but the fact that they are there and I can we can play in 5e, it's just like, I need this game to be real. I want to play this game so fucking bad. Again, coming back to the beginning of the game everybody gets vaccinated so we can come back to playing in dnd in person i mean imagine yeah, being definitely. like helm gray castle like with uh, with the stats already prepped for you you know you just have to read yeah. the comic and just embellish it however you want to take the scene and just be like you can be that character uh, I, I, I like this book a lot
1: yeah it's great it's fun so nice now we're gonna move on and talk about vault oh no we're not gonna talk about vault, sorry Hostway picked up so many books this week. So, so this, week. this is the Hostway section of the show. Okay. <laughs> uh so we got 6 books in a row that's Hostway only. Mm-hmm. No, 7, sorry. Uh so let's start with Sourcepoint Press. Okay. And Twenty Fist
2: 2. Twenty fist 2. Some of these are going to be really quick, um, mostly because, yeah, it's six books back-to-back. Um, but also because of story. story. Uh, uh, tw- two Fist. Twenty fist, uh, two fist is actually a character from my from my LARP afterworld, so I missed that. <laughs> so I, missed that. So I missed that. But Twenty Fist is a book uh, from Source Point that is by Cap Bauman. Uh, oh, the art is by Cat Bowman, colors by Gab Contreras, lettering by D.C. Hopkins, written by Frankie White. I actually like that actually in the bottom and just appreciate the arts. Um, But anyway, this is about the, the two gangs where, to put it simply, the Warriors meets the Romeo and Juliet. About the two gangs, two regular gangs, not even like, they don't even look like they're just like, they come from like bad homes and they just have like a shit life and they just have like this gang. And that's what that's all they do. And they just have to fight. They look like just stand- like stand-up kids, like outside of this pact. Cause that's all it is, it's like these group of kids that just know each other and they make a pact where every time they fight, every time they see each other, they just, they just have to fucking fight. And this scene, is literally just one, just one giant fight. And you get to see it play in real time. Um, Cause like uh, at one point people start getting cut out. Like one of them gets knocked out. You get like the cast and an X over him. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you, the, the whole the whole scene is just like the one fight and just like like I said, playing in real time and see what how each of them start dropping and then by the end of it or for the everything just gets uh set up for the next for the last issue being uh, a two on one. Where it's just like, I mean at this point I don't even know who's I mean, I can't even call them protagonists because it's like they're both in on it. It's not like one set of so one set of uh friends are just being uh, bullied by the other guys, and they just have to defend themselves. Like they're they're in on it too. So I can't even call them protagonists, but it's, it's going to end on a two on two on one, and yeah, I'll be here for I'll be here for the end. <laughs> Next one by Source yeah. Point. Uh, yeah, let's go with this one. Uh, Cult of Dracula number three. Uh, yes. <laughs> the writer creator, Rich Davis, pencils by Puis Calzada, and colors by Trevor Richardson, lettering by Dave Lentz. Okay, I actually really do like this book now. The the, the first two are very jokey, or just like we're very like, all right, let's let's do this, this retelling. But by the end of it, when it started revealing on like, oh shit, if we're not showing any other, any other kind of Dracula, and you're just showing me this goddess, this entity like this. Fuck yeah, excuse me. Um, let's let's do it. Let's, let's I can't wait for the third issue, and it was just that. You get what well, it opens up with, uh, Renfield's uh, backstory and how, at least in this case, in the er, in the early days of the 19, 1945 and those times, how his dad was just like fucking psycho, was able to evade the police and was able to find a girl and get her pregnant. And he was born, they get found out. <laughs> the dad still goes fucking crazy and goes after the cops. The mom c- defends her baby, Renfield, and then a stick of dynamite gets dropped in and kaboom only two mother dracula is who saved renfield oh wow so it's a slightly different take and i'm much more interested in it now
0: because she's very (laughs)
2: fucked up she's a cold-hearted bitch (laughs) the whole like you get the backstory that because renfield is like obsessed he's like like the the crazy guy fucking john fucking watson the movie (laughs) Uh, he's just like obsessed that he wants to be a, a vampire it's like like I'll worship you forever. I just want to be a part of you, just like, like everybody else. That's just like that's 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 following you. And the whole time it's like sure yeah sure. Just find me more followers. Keep doing your thing. Keep doing your cult. And it's, we come back to like the beginning um, of just like why kind of like the news is there with like um, Mina and Jonathan and and everybody. So it's his cult that of why people are following the cult of Dracula, and then it's just like. She's so cool that that's, but then she ends up like revealing, promising that, that that's all he's there for. That's all he's being used for. Like she'll never actually turn up. She actually tells him. And, but he has no other, he has no other purpose in life, at least like not, not for himself. So he's just like crushed, but he's just doing his thing. Uh, that's one part of half of the book. The other half of the book is um, uh, Lucy and her craziness and how the three brides <laughs> are just helping her, coaching her. How to go through the night through the hunger and Lucy just being like, "No, I want to feed." She just runs away. (laughs) But then again, a great two-page spread of her meeting of her meeting the mother, uh, mother Dracula, and just being like, "Fine, I'll show you how to feed." And oh my god, I get so fucking crazy, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it just literally cuts to uh, yeah, fuck it. Let's just call it what it is: an orphanage. And Lucy's just ripping through these babies and just feeding. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's fucking crazy. Um and then the last part three story is um Jonathan Crane and his wild orgy like he's just like being like no no please stop and uh, what is was it Abe uh, fucking Helsing and then Helsing like end up ends up saving him. Then, you mean Jonathan Harper, oh, Harker? Harker, right? yeah, sorry, Jonathan Crane is scared, is scared, scared of him. Bad. Bad. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he ends up saving him from, from, from the brides. <laughs> uh, but then he also gets revealed that pretty much this whole thing has been manipulated from uh, Helsing, or at least, like, the, the priest for Mina and Jonathan to show up just for this occasion, because the whole point is for Mina, and then he gets all, like, pissy and shit, so some pieces start moving, and yeah, that's pretty much like what's been going on right now for like the main characters, and this issue really turned me around for for
1: for this book. Nice, and we have a finale. We do. Damned, cursed children, number five. <laughs> Damn you,
2: Howard Wong! You know those books where, like, in the best way, like, you were just like, where like for the issue, like, it ended perfectly, where you just like, where you just want the extra issue, but it just ends so, so mm-hmm. sweetly, just to. Just to have like the little extra bit, uh, the extra bits of words from the actual creator to just make it more true. But we're uh, with the finale. Because now the fucking kids get smarter. They're still turned. They're not turning back. They're not reverting back. And that's why they're getting smarter. These are just zombies that are actually learning. Or they're just like these cannibal kids. These out these kids, due to this outbreak, the sickness, they're just somewhat getting smarter. Because as our. Three left heroes: the veteran, his daughter, and the the book just refers to her as the millennial. Um, hmm. They're evading. They just got on, the, on this truck, and on this highway, it's just it's just a bunch of traffic that everybody there's just, just their cars and they can't get through. Except there's a semi coming, and it's actually coming. And they look at the windows, and it, it's it's a bunch of kids just driving it, dude. They're literally just like, oh, god, they're literally gunning it towards them they know what they're doing they know who they're driving towards uh so they just like literally three-point reverse and it's like it becomes a little car chase but they're not all that smart the semi goes over a car and and ends up flipping the the whole thing over uh so anyway they end up up escaping some heartfelt moments between like the daughter and the dad and even back then they had to ditch the millennial so you think she's dead but she ends up showing up at the end to kind of rescue the daughter when she was almost about to just like stay with the with the dad, um, but yeah, in the end, it just it literally gets, it gets quickly wrapped up. Where like they they end up going to a base, well, at the very least a safe haven, and then like the last page gets into um, a radio, a broadcast where like yeah, the children seem to be to remain affected. Actual number of infected kill and killed remain unknown. Um, so the yeah, other there's no there's no explanation being given by any government or the World Health Organization, but at the very least, like the hope that's left out for for the end is that there has been confirmed reports of the firstborn since the outbreak, and the child is healthy and normal. So there's like, all right, cool. Like so it just happened mm-hmm. the one time. There's really there's really no indication. It's just like it's yeah, the child is healthy and normal, bringing a ray of hope not only to the city but the country and the planet, and then it just ends up cutting and that's where it ends it's kind of like is it the ray of hope or it's just like we get like the the good ending or and there was just it's this one occurrence happened once but it's like it didn't get explained really of like how or why it happened to just these kids or just why the kids but it's still it's still my favorite outbreak just because like these (laughs) these kids just end up being crazy or just like to just go crazy just batting (laughs) around clubbing kids literally so would be fucking awesome and again, just like the, the black and white take, take on it, like like not adding mm. colors to, to the whole thing, which is actually fun. Like, yeah, I just I thoroughly enjoy the story. Nice. Sorry. Also, but yeah, written by not just Howard Wong, but Josh Stafford and art by Rob, uh, Robin Simon.
1: Nice. <laughs> Let's switch over to Aftershock. Oh, so he's got an
2: Aftershock book.
1: Aftershock book. Um, oh, shit. I almost got the wrong one.
2: Aftershock book as uh, nuclear family by Stephanie Phillips. Uh, art is Tony Shasteen, colors J.D. Metler, and lettering by Troy uh, Tro, Tro Pateri. Penultimate issue where everything slowly kind of makes sense. Now, the kids were able to escape last time and were going through the, the vents, and they got kind of found out because they fell from said vents. And they fell, they fell in this room where they were doing experiments. Fancy scientist is in, in, in his hazmat suit, face mask, nice and prepped. And this one dude gets injected with what would be... It basically just, like, sucks away all the oxygen and water from your body. And that's why some of the people have been looking like zombies around. And they're just trying to, like... It's basically their weapon to fight back with. And they're just trying to get it right. Um, the kid that was kind of helping them, helping the kids that got time displaced, um, he started asking questions. Well, shit, this is exactly how my mom left. Like, where is she? And then scientists just being the scientists just being assholes, or just like yeah, she's probably gone now. Um, they would have they would escape still. The daughter from from the family was able to inject the dude who was like the copy of the friend that worked with the dad. She was able to inject on the back of the neck, and so at least like they the, they bought that time. And then the fucking the the dude who literally just got experimented on was able to escape and started biting out the scientists. So they again they buy that time. Uh, They meet up with the family and they start really investigating. They start really exploring this whole city, like this whole underground city that has been happening. And the kids were saying like, "Yeah, I lived in like, I, I I'm from this section something," which ends up being like. And they start going through like the panels. And they start going just more and more and more underground. He they literally live while they're already underground. They already live in like in the sub area where it's literally where all the shit goes. We're living and living in the sewers. Um so he's literally just kind of going up like whenever he gets a chance, he just escapes just escapes to just get out of there. And once they get to finally get to his place in his actual home is what well, the dude who's called the governor, who is basically the one running the whole place, the one who's when the dad woke up, when they first got time displaced, he was the first one that they saw. The dude who's basically r- runs this whole underground city, and he just there's just like a shock between everybody. And so he has the floor. It's like when we when we met Mister Mister McLean, asked him a question, so I'll ask you again: Are you a threat? And that's where it ends. So now it's all it starts it starts all kind of clicking where it's just like if they do get back. This is ba- they basically got time displaced into a world where the Cold War did happen, where like the bombs did drop, and that's why everybody's been leaving that, or just can't help but believe that that they're spies because it's been ten years of just actual turmoil from the Russians. So it's like, why would they be here? Why would it all be? Why would they look too perfect to just not be spies? Um, so I think they might go back in time to actually save the world from the Cold War actually ha- actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, th- again, the penultimate issue. I'll actually arrive with real answers the next time around.
1: Nice. Let's switch over to Magma and Modern Frankenstein. Yeah, the Modern Frankenstein. Uh, story by Paul Cornell,
2: art by Emma Vicelli, color art by Pippa Bowland, lettering by Simon Bowland. <sighs> so this is a story where we follow we were, where we follow Doctor Cleave, and she is the sexy black scientist who's falling in love <laughs> with Dr. Jason Frankenstein. <laughs> and she's uh, in the last issue. She, she finally got in on the end with Frankenstein on all the secret experiments that he was running. And now we know, we kind of know what kind of experiments they've been doing. And yeah, they're not good. There there's again, like it's fucking with like the brains. And then she kind of knows how to manipulate now the patients with now futuristic devices like at one point when one of the patients is going too crazy she just busts out her phone and is able to just like put him in a trance mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. just, like these weird psychedelic colors like almost like from an app and she has two two chances our doctor has two chances where she's told hey you can basically manipulate him like or we you can basically be a double agent and send me like like this other doctor she doesn't trust Frankenstein, um, and send me just copies of the information. That way, in case when the shit hits the fan, you can still play. You can still like uh, say like the uh, like uh, cause, like do it, deniability or yeah plausible. Deniability. Thank you, Yeah, plausible deniability. And she's like, no, no, no. I, I'm I'm in this shit. Um, so she's like, she gets all pissy because she also wants to know what's been going on behind those closed doors. Yeah. And then even so, Frankenstein gives her the option to be like, hey, if this is getting too heavy, you can actually back off. It's fine. And she's like, no, because it gets into sexy, sexy times between her and Frankenstein. And I don't blame them. Like, they're both really fucking hot. So she's <laughs> in on it now. She can't help herself until they actually finally do it one more time. Again, sexy times. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's not what the really the book's about it gets really at the end of it after some pillow talk Frankenstein's like, hey all these experiments' cause like at one point she's like uh, at one point when he's like, yeah the reason why I, I push these experiments why I push like when other places aren't really doing animal testing and he just like goes crazy with it it's because it saves time like when I me doing these experiments for to get proper pills or to get proper medication it just saves so much fucking time uh to just do it this way. So, so now coming back to the same conversation after some pillow talk, he's just like, yo, it's, it's not fast enough. What if we actually do experimental trials? Just like literally just like, instead of going through the FDA, just like doing a, letting go a bunch of experimental medications. So to see if it works in the masses instead of like doing slow calculations. And now she's having doubts. And yeah, that's where where the, where, the vote, where this issue ends and her just finally having doubts after finally having some
1: fun with Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and last uh book for these publishers, IDW, you have The Last Ronin number 3. Yes,
2: TMNT, The Last Ronin number 3, story by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird and Tom Waltz. Uh Tom by story script by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Uh, wow there's just like so many creators Kevin Bishop and Kevin Eastman do the arts with color assistance by Samuel Blatham, and so yeah this one tells again these stories are these books are going to be telling two stories stories at the same time and it's how each issue is going to tell how a past brother died and then setting up what the current turtle is doing which at this point we all know that it is Michelangelo so in this in this book we find out how uh sadly not only how Leo died but how uh Casey Jones went down with him in a blaze of glory. <laughs> and it was it was kind of touching again it's, it's all just like super fucking action packed so it's just like just gnarly and super fucking fun. Uh but it does tie into because as I suspected the the punky girl from like the first issue kind of running the gang is April and Casey Jones's daughter, so you kind of see her having like the same the same attitude of like I need to go I need to go like fight the Foot Clan. Uh, meanwhile, Mikey is just having just all sense all, all kinds of like doubt, and April just has to like actually shape him back, just be like, "Yeah, this, this is something that has to do that, that you have to do." And at this point, shows him her arsenal, and we get just like a cool shot of just like not just a bunch of weapons, but this cool like almost like turtle tank <laughs> one of the classic mobile uh mobiles but yeah it's one of those like touching ones because like you do want to see like what happens back then but now it's just like i guess it is cool how like mikey having to deal by himself with like a bunch of real world shit and just like it's all by himself and he's, he's talking to he's talking to his brothers a lot less so it's cool seeing him focused like in the moment than just being like broody and talking to like his past dead versions of him, of his brother's
1: Nice. Yeah, I should pro- I'll probably pick that up when it's when the first trade comes out. it would probably be better as a trade when I catch it. Yeah, this one I'll catch up. So, all right, now we're gonna switch over to Vault, and we have four books for Vault, and Hotspay has yet another solo book, uh, Shadow Service Number Eight. Oh man, Shadow Service oh. Number Eight.
2: <laughs> it's just so awesome. Uh, cool. Writer is Kavan Scott. Artist is Corn Howell. Uh, yeah, and the coloring is by Triona Farrell, lettering by Ann World Design so we find out that what betrayed the group, MI666 and we find out uh, that Edwin her accomplice rat or, yeah <laughs> her, uh, had betrayed her to this new group that she betrayed them for, and now this whole book is just her dying over and over again for information and it just sucks. I mean, it really it sucks I first, it happens within the, the first page turn. It's like you almost want to believe it, where it's like, well, I guess that's this character. Because um, again, it's like I have to believe it for, for Radiant Black too. <laughs> um, but she basically gets her gets her thrown slip by the like super sweet uh, demon chick from the last issue. Um, and Gina goes to this weird afterlife, and she starts talking to Quill. We find out that Quill is actually dead, dead. And <laughs> And Quill at one point of the conversation, Quill asked her like, "So how did you go?" I was like, "Oh, she cut my throat." It was like, "Well, there's worse way ways to go." You to find out how Quill died, and this demon is fucked. Every organ out of his mouth and throat just came out. Like you can actually see his stomach like curling in from like stuff not being there. It's just like this book is intense when it when it has to be, but it's not overly gory either. It's just it's just awesome. And then what happens next? that demon witch like revives her <laughs> only for her to be tortured and be killed over and over for information for, from or for MI 666 on what they know. And she's not caving. She's not cracking. Cause mostly because she also doesn't know. Um, and by the end, she's able to escape. She uses her witch powers to just like, at least like ex- expel some like hex and make some room while, while she escapes the demon lady comes out again and chases them again. Like these designs are just so dope. Um, and she's able to get outside and meets up with MI666 that's been looking up, that's been looking for her. So everything's all cool. Let's like team up again, even though they, be- she did betray them, but she- they do know the information. And then the teammates started withering and disappearing. And then it's, yeah, we've been, in a simulation, inside a simulation, inside a simulation this whole time. <laughs> and yeah, and, and Gina has been just been hexed. Like, not not just like being killed over and over again, but thinking that she actually escaped and now she's back in this dinner table. And now they kind of have what they want. And they, yeah. Just sort of, yeah. And they reveal who. And they kind of drop a, a ball where it's just like, we do know that in her, at her house, like way back when, for like in her origin story, that like she didn't really get along with her mom and. It didn't really make sense why her mom would be so normal, normal why she's a witch. It turns out that that wasn't her real mom. And uh, we find uh, we, we still don't know who it is. The, the, reveal, the reveal wasn't there. Hopefully, we find out in the next issue. But it's just so twisted. Again, such a dark book for, from Vault.
1: Nice. All right. And we share these three next Vault books. Let's start with Witchblood 3. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Witchblood 3. I haven't talked in a while. That's weird. Um, creative team, Matthew Ehrman, Lisa Stirl, Gab Contreras with the coloring and world with the lettering. Uh, once again, our favorite, uh, bike riding, which, what cover did you get by the way, uh, cover a, I got Oh, the terror one. Oh, so good too. Yeah. It was actually the only one on the wall. Mm. The other was sold out. So, uh, but I like it. So, um, so yeah, basically we get to see this, this whole, um, story continue. Um, We get to see some fun little bits. Uh, Specifically, she makes kind of a makeshift potion (laughs) to turn her her raven or crow or whatever into a half dog so it can sniff out things, which is funny. Uh, Yeah, Uh, we're introduced to another witch that is stealing the eyeballs of children. And, you know, story instincts tell you, oh, that's a bad guy. And then it's like, no, no, not really. (laughs) They're just they're. They're basically sisters, you know, it's just like, but now we have this, you know, the other character who's hunting them down and we get this fun confrontation and yeah, just a really enjoyable uh, issue. I think it's, or they get, it's going to be, I want to see where these characters go from here. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. And then we get a really cool reveal at the end. Literally labeled, what a reveal! Majestic <laughs> impressive, amazing, like so. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I like that this book doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, it's a lot of fun in general. So yeah, and I really like the character design for the uh, the shed witch.
2: Oh, so, I know, right? Uh, the fact that she's like a witch in her own way, so that's why they have like their own little tea meetup. Uh, it was yeah. it was a fu- it was a fun scene. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about? Yeah, it? no, like the the hunter the hunter girl uh, at Oh um, again, like. An interesting take on like using that name, which is a reference to an- another um Aztec deity, which is uh, the goddess of the desert or the barren waste and desert. So she gets that name, and like they are kind of roaming around in the-, in the Texan desert, so it's really cool. Um, and also, yeah, the reveal with um, was it Texas Red because like she was like, Texas she was Red. talking to her in the beginning, and now she gets like that super glamorous reveal. No, it's dope. I am, I just I
1: really love this book too. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about. Uh, number one. Yes. Uh, let's talk about the Blue Flame number one. Now, we're going to run down the creative team, of course. And that is written by Christopher Cantwell. Uh, artist is Adam Gorham. Colorist by Kurt Michael Russell. And letterer Hassan Atsabani el Um First of all, did you scan the QR code and listen to the oh, score? Oh, you know I did. Of course you did. I, know you, I saw that. I am like, well, how's going to do that? So... This is really interesting. So for those who don't know about Vault, Vault doesn't do superhero comics. Uh That's kind of their thing. They do genre comics, mostly fantasy, sci-fi, horror, things like that. Um, This is outright a superhero comic for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. And so you start reading it and you realize, no, it's not. (laughs) It it, it is, but it's not. Um, We're following a kind of, well, in this form... Originally, <laughs> he gives me very obvious Dark Hawk vibes, you know, right. like, but like, kind of like Nova to maybe a little Green Lantern. And he goes onto this other planet, and he gets kidnapped, and he's told, you know, this is your trial. And then we cut back to Earth, and we see presumably the same guy, where he's also the Blue Flame, but they're basically, it's basically like, you know, street-level heroes without powers, like, working together, and Like, you know, doing things. It's not supposed to be like, you know, like a big time thing, you know. And they're going to make an appearance and everything like that. We We meet some other heroes. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, basically they're doing this appearance and then somebody opens fire at the appearance. And that's when we come back to the original, you know, he's in space and he's on trial. And this is really interestingly told. I know. What do you think, Cosmo? Well, like? I mean, it's like you paint two different, like,
2: pieces, like, two, di- two different tales. like, the opening shot, like, the opening page of these cosmos are awesome. Mm. Like, this cosmic cloud, but then you have, like, this these planets back here, but then this, like, this form right here, this green dragon-looking thing is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's just, like. Yeah. what the fuck like I, i'm so fucking excited it almost makes me think like, again yeah, dark hawk meets a little bit of a uh, fear agent it's like what kind of dangerous tales is this going to get into and then we get thrown way the fuck back to what you want to say Watchmen, but it's really want to be like way more like Minutemen like Minutemen era of it yeah. you know especially with like the take of like the 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 superhero or the hero that they have but it's just like again very interesting i'm like how is this, how is this gonna make sense? You know, I you know I believe in vault every time. Like they're just gonna like yeah, well, they're gonna course. pull it off, but like it was not what I was expecting. Especially how like how they were hyping up the book. You know, and just like fuck, like I'm in I'm into it.
1: Presumably, the stuff happening in space was what I gathered is could be a hallucination he's having because he you know was shot. He's in a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. And if he visualizes himself as this hero is just the story he's telling himself about himself being a real hero, yeah. like with powers and shit. And the fact that it was a mass shooting that happened and the whole thing is like your whole race is on trial. I'm wondering if we're going to get kind of political with that, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Like a race that continually kills other each other. Like, you know, and maybe he goes a little crazy, you know, maybe he becomes vigilante <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know. I'm really excited, though. There's a lot of directions. A lot go of there. possibilities, really yeah. Yeah, so very good. A very good number one. I'm in for now. So, great. Next up, man. Oh, my gosh. It's back. Talk about something we've missed. <laughs> it's so, my God, yes. Not only did I get cover, A, eh? I also got the hidden variant. Yes, me too. Back there. <laughs> and, and, and you got the other one. Um, guys, Money Shot's back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> money Shot number 11. Uh, written by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty, drawn by Carolyn Lee Lane, who is a new artist to the series, mm-hmm. colored by Kurt Michael Russell, and lettered by Crank. Um, for those who don't remember Money Shot, I'm going to try to describe it to you as best I can. <laughs> Scientists who want to genuinely do good work are not getting funded in the future because the future is now, and that's what we're doing. And so, they decide to become porn stars on the side to fund their projects to actually save the planet. And in the last two arcs, uh, we, we, I'm not going to get into each arc. It was, it was a lot of fun, (laughs) but basically the sex explorers had a really good time. And one of their number Brie left the group. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's sad. Uh, but they're still going to continue on and, uh, do their thing. And as we are starting off this new arc, and it's just kind of funny, because we talked to Tim when we interviewed him about Money Shot, and asked him like how it works with him and Sarah, and he's like, Sarah, you know, does a really good job of punching up jokes and stuff, mm. but this whole opening scene with Ocampo, if you told me that sarah wrote this entire scene i would not be shocked like (laughs) like it's just her sense of humor so basically she's sitting there like mourning the fact that her vibrator is broken her awful awful cat is there (laughs) who can talk because of a little device on it um i still love that like it says stuff like self mate bad when she tries to masturbate like shake snake bad (laughs) like Anyway, she's watching the news, and she sees a really sexy scientist lady. And she's like, that's what we need. We need her. And so she's going to recruit her. And that's the pitch she makes to the group. So we get back to the group, and uh, my girl Trinity Spheres is still there. So I'm very excited about that, because I love her. Josue was very excited to see somebody else. So I'll just give you the moment to talk about him for a moment.
2: Oh my god, I cannot believe I was this excited, this happy. To have supermassive black hole back, <laughs> this character I thought yeah. I was gonna like loathe every punchline, but just makes me crack the fuck up.
0: Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. And the best the best part is for those who've never read this book, supermassive black hole is a, is white, a white guy, guy. <laughs> <laughs> and they do have a black guy in the group. <laughs> and he took the name. Black supermassive in, black hole.
2: Like, you smell familiar, Doug. You should know it. It's the love tummy it came out of. <laughs> get it omar (laughs) like i'm implying uh, i fucked your mom (laughs) dude i couldn't go past this panel for a good fucking minute dude
1: (laughs) my favorite line was uh let me see if i can find it from him um
2: yeah there were definitely two
1: moments (laughs) it was well the recessive gene joke was pretty (laughs) yes (laughs) um uh but oh and then of course the line where he says i think I can absolutely stuff both of my balls in my ass. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> that was funny. But no, my favorite line was actually, let me see. I'm trying to find it. But while I'm looking, it's just a lot of fun. And they're they're doing their, like, we're going to go to this new planet. And all we have to do is work at this, basically work in a whorehouse for 24 hours. And uh, I found it, by the way. Um, we have to work at this whorehouse 20, for 24 hours. And then we'll give you this thing that can help you save your planet. So, like, fuck, we'll do that. Um and what they find out is the new girl who's insanely hot isn't great at sex. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing to me. Uh, that's a great story, and luckily the group is able to spin it to be like, see, she's bad at sex. We're here to teach her. That's the point of this sh- series now, and then, so their ratings still go up. The line I was thinking of is where he said, uh, where they said, Doug, be respectful. They recognize eleven genders here, and he says, Hey, I smash all ass equally, front butt. Mouth, butt, but, but. butt, butt. <laughs> I love him so much. Like <laughs> it's so it's so fun how a meathead can change just by making him accepting of LGBT oh, totally. people. <laughs> like you can be such an awful character to such a great character like that. So um, I would be remiss if I did not mention right off that, uh, as I said, the artist has changed and she's doing an excellent job. I know she was she was anxious about what people would think of her art. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Oh That's no, it's really, really cool. Good.
2: And so. is, is she staying for the art or, or for the arc? Or is this more kind like of kind of a, kind of a one shot issue? It does kinda of have like a it does say end at the end of this particular issue instead of just like a regular to be continued. She's taking over oh, cool. the show. The and also kinda of like the story just this, this I little on. story felt more like of a mini one shot to kind of keep this character final before
1: or even or if they're gonna move on with her. No, I mean she she's already done the art for the yeah. next issue. So okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, she she took over is what it was because she's been talking about a lot on Twitter. She's she's a really fun Twitter follow. You guys should follow her. I don't know if you saw it this way, the bit where she's like, her parents are kind of uptight Catholic. Oh yes, and she's and trying the porn to Yeah, and I like the one where her mom's like, "Why is this one in a bag?" <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I hope she got the hotel so, one. It's so yeah. Crazy. So uh love it. I'm just so excited it's back. It's one of our favorite comics, yes. period. It's just amazing. So uh and we did get a tease that maybe Bree will be coming back because she does appear in the art for the next issue. Right.
2: Digit, so. And it's also just like what she says too, like right, for um Okambo, like her hopefulness.
1: Yeah, uh I don't like her and Bree together. Oh, I don't know me neither, but it's like but for the story. I, I felt they were kind of toxic, <laughs> like for each other, like but I mean It was fine when they're having sex and stuff, but I was like, no, I don't think they want the same thing, you know, but, but maybe, you know, they're going to explore and grow, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what people do. So, but yeah, awesome. Uh, Loved it. Keep making money shot forever, Tim. Forever, (laughs) Tim. All right. Now we're going to switch over to DC. I could I swear to God, to our listeners, I purchased Robin number two. And I cannot find a copy anywhere. I, I I know I bought it. It's somewhere in my house. So I couldn't read it. So this way, let's start off. You tell me about Robin number two. Robin number two was really good. Yes, of
2: course, he didn't die. It's the Lazarus Island. It literally opens up with him yeah. regenerating on, on some table and coming back to life. I assumed. And yeah, the whole issue takes uh, is Ravager. Uh, was it uh, Deathstroke's daughter? Basically yeah. He's like, you are a fucking idiot. I was about to tell you that there are rules. Or that there are also rules in place when you just wanted to be your little dick boy self. <laughs> and that's why you got killed <laughs> by someone who you might have had a shot with like, against killing. And yeah, the whole and, like I guess, took a really good moment because it's like, Ravage is like, yeah, it's like, basically, there, like one of the rules is you can only fight during the daytime. Like, it's like there's completely peace during like, at night, just so it doesn't have to be a complete carnage mess. And this can, it doesn't have to be that short of a tournament. But in the meantime, everybody is immortal. Uh, while, while the um, for this tournament, and you get three strikes. It's um, yeah, you get you get three strikes. Damien already wasted his one, and when he found that out, he was just like, and then yeah, and so you don't have to hold back because it's like the whole immortality thing. It's like oh cool, game fucking on, and Damien goes on a quick killing spree just to even out the. The, the score, since he had, like, a really quick round one that didn't really count for him. <laughs> so everybody gets, like, their first death. Uh, and then Robert uh, says, like, oh, cool, Barb, you done showing off? Cool. There's three people, ha- there's five people you actually have to be worried about. Them being um, Respawn, the the Deathstroke, uh, the actual Deathstroke mm. um, ripoff. Ripoff, yeah. Uh, XXL. It's like a little Hispanic punching kid, literally (laughs) almost like a little Mac. Uh, And of course, Flatline, who he actually found that out firsthand. Black Swan, who was one of the people that he did kill in that quick round where he went on this quick little killing spree. But the thing is, um, as Ravager puts it, you you got the drop on her once, it won't happen again. So it's like, all right, she definitely got bumped up. But if yeah. I had to say who was the biggest challenge on the island, it's who this whole book was about. Connor, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's, a, that's like really cool that they made him like the number one like contender for the island. And yeah, he's it turns out that he's back, and not I don't see this as a reason, but I guess like they're actually that close too. But right now, it's like yeah. the reason why he's back is because, or at least like in this tournament, this island is that he's fighting for the League of Lazarus which used to be part of the League of Shadows so at least that's why he's kind of going like at least not going dark side but he's like at least they're not on his own accord
1: <laughs> for our listeners when I say Connor I mean Connor Hawk not Connor King. yeah uh, yeah <laughs> just in case. I actually said Hawk. yeah
2: <laughs> 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 I just thought about it I was like wait there's two corners, there's a great so... moment where, where at least like Damon goes and finds like his other his other duffel bag full of goodies and <laughs> and ravager finds his uh his manga remember his manga <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so he's like, it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's pretty much like him get, um, going around the island, or it's like actually getting a tour of the island instead of just being like, I know everything. <laughs> I'm gonna kill everybody. Yeah, it. <laughs> like yeah. But again, the most important part is now, now that it's nighttime, and he's gonna go do his little thing. But again, there are rules, and who better remind him than Flatline? <laughs> but it's, it actually doesn't doesn't become a fight. She literally becomes like, yo, just. Actually, chill the fuck out. Like, uh take them to like, a secret passage. Um, Actually, gives them another, another tour. But in the end, she takes them to be like, yo, don't take everything so seriously. Plus, how about have some fun? And there's a reason why it's like nighttime. There's no fighting at nighttime because at least give <laughs> the contenders something to look forward to. And it's just and it's all the kids, like, literally enjoying their time. So it's a little twisted nice. and it's a little fun, but
1: it's just what Damien's Robin should be, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's really awesome. I like that it's taken a darker turn. Yeah, you know, but fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's cool. Nice. All right, let's dig into my stack of DCs. Oh, yes. uh, Ruby and Justice League number two. Uh, once again broken down into two stories. Uh, the first one, written by Marguerite Bennett, drawn by Stephanie Pepper, uh, colored by Hi-Fi, and lettered by Gabriella Downey. Um. The second story, I think, is a different creative team. Let me double check. Um, maybe not. Maybe it's the same creative team. I'll I'll, I'll see if I find another creative team. But uh, as we we learned in the last one, we found uh, once again. This is Ruby, uh, the animated show crossing over with DC Comics, specifically with the Justice League characters. And yeah, I don't see another creative team. So, but it's the same. Anyways, um. In the previous one, we had Ruby and her sister uh, meet with uh, her sister, Yang. They met uh, Superboy. Superman, technically, but he's a boy in this. And uh, he's kind of different, obviously. We also had uh, Blake Belladonna met with Wonder Woman. And in this one, we have my favorite uh, Ruby character, Weiss Schnee. And she met with a dapper young man in a suit at a party. So here's my girl.
2: Yeah, the ice one, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then there's this dapper young man. <laughs> nice. And we find out they basically like try to out like shitty each other, basically. <laughs> They're both <laughs> shitty back and forth, and they gain respect because of it. And uh she introduces herself, my name is Y Sneen says Bruce Wayne. So Honestly, I thought
2: it was so much blue, I thought I was actually nice. I thought it was Grayson.
1: So he um Long story short, they're at this party at her parents' house because she's rich. And um, someone's watch is stolen. And they're trying to figure out who it is. Well, some people suspect it's Bruce Wayne, whose whole family's dead. He's the only one left. Mm. And the reason they suspect him is because in the Ruby world, there I talked about this last issue, there are people that are part animal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it turns out he is part animal. Bat. Oh my God, Those that's actually babies. really cute. <laughs> I actually really like so, that. Yeah, and so like, ooh, a faunus. Bruce Wayne's a bat faunus. Like, ooh, oh, I actually and love so, this. <laughs> so everybody's powers are. Everybody has powers in this world. They're all a little different. Like Clark isn't just Superman. He can do basically stuff while the sun's out. Okay, yeah. And one woman has other things. Right. Bruce's only actual power is that he has a high-pitched whistle, like a bat. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so he and he does it literally to make, make the chandeliers vibrate. You know, <laughs> that's
0: like, so like, silly. Like, but... I, I know, it's wonderful. And the hair just, it's
1: too cute. I can't. <laughs> so basically, he's like, but I'm good at puzzles. And he figures out who stole the watch and why, and he solved the problem, right? So that's how they introduce the characters. Well, then they bring them all together. So this is a really good issue for those who might not know a lot about Ruby, because it introduces each of them in their little bits. It names their weapons. So like Ruby's like I'm Ruby Rose. I wield Crescent Rose and can move at super speed. Which I you you haven't read or watched Ruby, yeah. right? So check out that scythe she wields. Oh, but yeah, but it's I do so know the design. Dope, that's sick as that's sick as <laughs> fuck. Yeah. So I really like the Diana design a lot. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um but yeah basically they're like hey we all have to work together and the, the best part is so the bruce intro um they're all talking about their powers they're literally doing like well i have this thing and then um uh diana's like in times of need i can call upon three gifts a tiara to keep my mind clear a lasso to make the truth known and gauntlets to defend all living things from harm actually it's a cool take on it and, and then it goes to bruce and it's like what about you? <laughs> and Weiss goes. Bruce has bat ears, <laughs> like right there. <laughs> so and his rolling funny. his eyes is great. And she, and he's, he rolls his eyes. he's like, "Well, you do not have gauntlets to defend all living things from harm." He's like, "No, but I can detect patterns and unlock puzzles, <laughs> and I have, and I have the bat wing, aka the gigantic axe my guardian got me." Oh my
2: god. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, so it's just two batterings on the end of a stick, guys. <laughs> like, it's just wonderful. <laughs> and he keeps referring to his guardian and he's like they're like, Who is this guardian? He's like, he's also a butler. <laughs> oh <my laughs> so, but it's fun. It's gonna be them having to work together. It's gonna be a cheesy crossover, but I don't care because it looks amazing. I so.
2: appreciate Love I appreciate that Bruce Wayne is the butt end of the joke, instead of just making a flash a funny yeah. flash or or a a take on
1: Aquaman and him being the butt end of the joke. This is this is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So, I did get confirmation basically that my favorite characters aren't going to appear because in Ruby, everybody's divided into teams in the school, okay. and that's Team Ruby, which are the main characters. But the other main characters are Team Juniper, which is their best friends, and those are my favorite characters. Okay. So they're not going to appear, We're including Jean, who doesn't seem to have a power. He's like one of the f- he's like the one of the few people there that does. I don't think anyone else has doesn't have a power, but he finds it. Well, if it's and successful enough, so. like if I get like hopefully, there's a sequel to it. Yeah, dude. I, I, honestly, I would recommend the show if you guys if you guys like action anime with really cool choreography. It's not the best art, don't get me wrong, because it is almost like video game CG art. But the action and the music alone make it worth it because the music is like really upbeat, like rock with like this awesome female singer. She's the composer's daughter. <laughs> She sings every song. Nice. It's really, really good. So, well,
2: like I'm sure, like Fun. I don't know, like to what extent, like they own it or how they license it. But it seems like DC actually likes Ruby. They had that other series that didn't, that didn't get that final issue, just digital form. But like, and now they're trying it yeah. again on this little. It's a weird spin off. It's, it's such a Marvel take of a spin, a spinoff or what if scenario that, like, yeah, hopefully,
1: hopefully they can, they can run more with it. DC used to do uh, crossovers like this that were really fun, like Gen 13 Superman, which is one of my favorites ever, or like Spawn Batman, which was hilarious. Oh, yeah, I actually have that. One of those, yeah. I like the part where he buries the fucking Batarang in, in Spawn. It's really so how it ends. Spawn's it's just like, smiling. Like justice,
0: it's like, yeah. It's like, so dumb, <laughs> Rick Miller.
1: Yeah. Next up, uh, Harley Quinn number three. Not going to spend too much time on this because it was a development story. Okay. Um, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by... Art and cover by Riley Rossmo colored by Ivan Placencia and letter by Nworld. world. Um, yeah, basically Harley's trying to set up the support group for the ex clowns. Mm. Uh, so she sets it up and people actually show up. And That's so she's cool. all excited to try to talk to them. And then a former guard at, uh, Arkham is working with Hugo strange and he shows up and breaks it up and they get in a big fight and he kidnaps one of the people. So Harley's got to get him back. So, yeah. It's good stuff. It's it's good. It's just not a lot to talk about in that issue yeah. specifically. Next up, Detective Comics 1036. Um, I, again, I, I told this way this. I can't believe I'm purchasing a Detective Comics comic <laughs> in the year 2021 because I've never really liked Batman very much. But as we talk about the creative team, there's the reason. Yeah. Written by Mariko Tamaki and drawn by Dan Mora. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll buy any book those two make. I don't care what it is. If they make a Joker book, I might give it a Ooh. shot. <laughs> uh, Colored by Jordi Belair and Letter by Aditya Bidikar. Actually, that's a that's a pretty stacked per- group, actually. I never thought about that. That's, like, some of the best in everything. <laughs> I do want to get the trade for so, this. Yeah, it's, it's um, Bruce is investigating the death of a wealthy socialite, and when we left, left off, her body, like rotting body, seems to appear from nowhere, and she seems to be alive. So we're left on that cliffhanger. Well, Bruce carries her inside, and the body's like falling apart. And one of his neighbors is like, "What are you doing? Was that a body?" You know, and then he locks the door in her face, and she calls the cops because she just saw so him carrying a body. Mm-hmm. And he finds out it's Lady Clayface. Clayface. Ooh. She's looking like the dead girl, but she's like. Her body's falling apart. She can't keep her form. And so what we find out is that after the destruction of Arkham, Lady Clayface was basically flushed into the sewers in an attempt to get away. But her form was kind of like messed up. She can't maintain form. But she it's believed she witnessed the death of the woman. So she's the only witness to it. And Bruce needs to talk to her. And so him and Huntress are working together. And man, does Huntress look great? Look at this fucking shot. Uh, yeah, that's like, actually really cool. It's really great. So uh, they're they're working together and they're going to, you know, once they can take care of Lady Clayface, she can give them the information that they have. Um, it's all coming back to, um, or they get some information from her, but the guy that takes her to is dead. He dies mysteriously. So I really think it's all coming back to the mayor and the whole magistrate thing we talked about before. Okay. So. Uh, There's also part two of the Huntress backup story in the back about a friend of hers who died, and she's trying to find out who killed her. Uh, She goes to meet the girl's boyfriend, who used to abuse her. Turns out he didn't kill her, but he still used to abuse her. So Huntress basically beats his ass and tells him, I'm going to take a very strong interest in the rest of your life, basically. (sighs) And then uh, you find out that he's been using the dead girl's credit cards Mm -hmm. and running them up. So, she calls Oracle, and she's like, do you want to take down someone for credit card fraud? And Oracle's like, always. So, (laughs) like, yeah, it's just cool. So, she's going to continue investigating that. I'm really liking that. It's really a lot of fun. So, boom. Next. Last DC book that I have solo. And Josue, you need to pick this up at some point, (laughs) because I want to get your opinion on it. Milestone Return. Yes, right. For those who don't know, Milestone was a comic publisher, specifically designed to publish books starring people of color and most of you know it because it's where static shock started Hmm. um so milestone uh dc bought it out and didn't really do much with it for a while but apparently they're in the process of trying to bring them back as as their own little universe it's not going to cross over the dc universe at least as far as i know i think they said the same thing about Wildstorm, and look how long that lasted so (laughs) But, um, it mostly focuses on three stories. Um, and I want to quickly go through the creative team because it's a lot. Um, for the first story written by Reginald Hudlin, uh, art by Dennis Cowan and Nicholas Draper-Ivy, uh, pencils by Dennis Cowan, Bill Sinkowitz, and Chris Sotomayor. Um, and also additional, there's several artists for each story. Criss Cross, Juan Castro, Will Quintana, and Letters by Anworld. World. I'm just going to list everybody, not try to say the individual things. Um, next story is written by Reginald Hudlin. Uh, art by Jim Lee, Ryan Benjamin, Dennis Cowan, Jimmy Palmiotti, Ryan Benjamin, Don Ho, Dennis Cowan, Bill Sinkowitz, Koi Pham, Scott Hanna, Colors by Alex Sinclair, Hi-Fi, Chris Sotomayor, and Ann World. Um, I think that's everybody. So... The main story is about Static Shock, of course, because well, he's, you know, the well, highlight actually, character. Yeah. Everybody loves him. He's the Spider-Man. Uh, so basically, it's like you see these these very heavily armed guards, right? And they're like, there's a riot going on. And there's like tanks and stuff. And there, there's like these little canisters that say AVA Industries. It's like, is this new stuff? Yeah, it's supposed to be great. All right, let's load up. We need to shut this down and get things under control right away. And then we see what they're looking at. It's a Black Lives Matter protest. So they uh, they're like, hey, turn around and they're like, stop killing innocent people and we will. And they fire the canisters at them. Well, the canisters were this crazy stuff that was not fully tested. And it basically starts killing these kids. It melts them for all sorts and purposes. So like, they're like, oh shit, what, what the fuck was that? Like, what are we doing to these, you know, kids and stuff? And basically what it does is a lot of these kids develop powers because of the stuff that was sprayed on them. That's how static gets his power. Um, the other story uh, or well, that one goes on for a bit. The other story is the one that not enough people know about, but should really read because it's actually a lot of fun, which is icon and rocket uh, icon is. Uh, it's an alien cr- alien guy. It's it's hard to explain it. Okay, so he's an alien. And this is going to sound a lot like Superman, but I promise it's not. Um, He's an alien, obviously from another planet. He has an insane amount of powers and and advanced technology. Um, He is discovered by a young girl in the neighborhood who wants to basically get rid of the drug dealers in the neighborhood and make the neighborhood safe. So she says, he's like, I I would like to help your, your planet, but I don't really know how. And she's like, well, help me with this. So they take out the local drug dealers. And that turns into them basically trying to eliminate the entire drug trade across the entire planet. Um, and I really like them because he's stupid powerful and she, she's she got some powers now. Um, one thing I thought you'd really like, and this is the, one of the moments I was really liking. She jumps out of their plane and lands on the ground, right? And then one of her powers is she stores kinetic energy. Oh, shit. So, she, so it's really small here. You can see her running and start to glow. Yeah. She absorbed all the kinetic energy from jumping out of the plane and just goes right through a building. (laughs) Yeah, can just unleash all that box. That'd be cool. Yeah, so it's really a lot of fun. And uh, she's young. She's in high school. She actually goes to the same high school as Static Shock. And then uh, the other character that uh, we're dealing with is Hardware. Uh, hardware is kind of like a midway between like a Batman or an iron Tony man or Tony Stark, Tony man, (laughs) uh, Tony Stark. Um, he, he ran the company that made the stuff that give the, that killed these kids and gave some of them powers. Um, he sent a thing saying, Hey, this isn't tested. Don't use, don't use this. Um, but they used it anyways. And when it backfired, they deleted any record that he said that and they're blaming it all on him. And so he's having to deal with that. So all this comes back to one story, basically this riot. And it's really cool. There's a lot of really great reveals. Um, and Icon of Rocket is a lot of fun. Uh, kind of like, imagine, okay, you know, like Wolverine and Jubilee when they oh, run yeah. around. Imagine Wolverine with Superman instead. Oh, okay. Okay. It's a lot like that. It's a lot of fun. And the you see Static and like the bully that's always picking on him. He got powers too. He has fire. Oh, no shit. So they're having fights and stuff in, in school, no less. And... Um, It's just really cool, but one of the best parts is... I'm going to spoil a big reveal, but everybody should read this book. Um, You find out that the reason the cops thought there was a riot is because the bully, who's a white dude, by the way, was picking on Static at the the protest and then called the girl a slut. So Static punched him Mm -hmm. and they got into a fist fight and they thought it was turning into a riot. Well, they used it as an excuse, let's be honest to open fire so he's gonna you might have some guilt about that too you know like that if he had kept his temper that wouldn't have happened and stuff so this is really good it's a really good re-intro to milestone and there are some additional characters those are the three that we mainly focused on and they did announce three new series coming out of this so we are getting static as a new series and it's going to be written by right Yeah. yeah yes and art by Chris Cross and Nicholas Draper ivy uh, Icon and Rocket is going to be written by Reginald Hudlin <sighs> and Leon Chills, and art by Doug Braithwaite. And Hardwire is going to be written by Brandon Thomas and drawn by Dennis Cowan and Bill Sinkowitz. Duh. So they're putting some real talent Duh into this. Oh, my God. Is that the ENIAC artist? Like, it's going to look incredible. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Here, Here's a cover if you want to see it. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, they're, they're, they're doing yeah. some good. See, th- th- these are good moves. Like, put some solid creators to these great ideas. Like, come on, DC. These are the moves they should be making. And like, you got me thinking yeah. when you, like, yeah, it's always been said. It's always been kind of been thought about. But as soon as you said DC Spider Man for, for Static Shock, and it's not even just like to kind of like give a jab to Static, but it's like, imagine a fraction of like, Of the amount of history that Spider Man has for static, the amount of rogues or like just seeing static popping in and out or him actually being in this fucking book. Like, God, like, come on, DC. Like, this should have been a thing like forever ago. It's a shame.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's he's incredibly popular. The cartoon was loved. I mean, I understand like it's got some, there's some baggage behind it. And I know the rest of the series, the rest of the characters didn't really take off like static did. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously like, there's an issue there, but I mean, just take a shot seriously, you know or I mean? just so... keep it going where it's just like,
2: at some point it's gonna click, but it's just like, you just, I just have like static having like two, 200 issues just because it's been like ongoing, like ASM for like the last 15 years.
1: And yeah, like, I don't know miles more exactly
2: exactly (laughs) who yeah
1: yeah um and then we can't we can't talk about milestone before until i uh or unless i bring up this rest in peace dwayne mcduffie oh yeah the the shit dwayne mcduffie did and put up with from fans for the record uh being a black man who wanted to make story about black people before like now look at look at now the shit you get for trying to do that on Mm -hmm. twitter and stuff this was before it's even you know yeah but he put it a lot rest in peace dude uh i'm so glad to see static coming back Yeah, for you know just to keep his legacy going so so it's leads us to our last dc book and it's the one that we share and it's teen titans academy number three um we're continuing the story of who is red x uh written by tim sheridan pencil by rafa sandoval Inked by Jordi Tarragona. Uh, we got some art by Max Raynor, coloring by Alejandro Sanchez and Alex Sinclair, and letter by Rob Le. Um, so basically, the old Adult Titans are trying to figure out who is Red X. Let's figure out who this is. Meanwhile, we have the Suicide Squad and John Cena with a shiny metal helmet. <laughs> um, who I, ju- I just can't take the character seriously. Yeah, like it just looks ridiculous. Like I get it. One of the
2: most obvious movie it. pushes for sure.
1: Yeah. Do you remember when the new 52 happened? And I'm not saying this is what's happening, but this popped in my head. When the new 52 happened and all the books got like three issues in, and then every single one of them, the next issue crossed over with a different oh, book. Yeah. They all did it in the same week. Yeah. It was, I was like, what in the fuck? And it was so, it felt so forced. It really bothered me. So a little bit here because I really don't like Suicide Squad and I like Teen Titans Academy. So, um, but yeah we get a couple cool things uh uh we get to see crush and uh they draw on crush awfully sexy lately <laughs> i was like i don't want a sexy lobo well i mean guess some i didn't actually notice her
2: posture until just now like when she comes into the scene
1: yeah she, she looks good don't get me wrong i'm assuming she's an adult so that's good uh she's also fictional i mean so um but yeah um And then we get a lot more information about uh, one of our favorite characters uh, so far. And uh, we get kind of a flashback to um, what happened in her childhood. Bolt. And I'm kind of. Bolt, yeah. uh, What's her real name? Was it like Alita? Uh, Alinta, Alinta. That's what it was. I was trying to find Alinta because, yeah. But Bolt. And. She she basically sees this mathematical formula and then is suddenly able to sprint like super stupid fast and i'm like is that like part of the speed force formula mm-hmm. like and i'm like that's really cool but she doesn't have it fully she can only do bursts so uh, i just love this character i love that it's an amputee and they actually made an amputee a character that has a physical power you know yeah. what i mean um I mean, most amputees are going to be like Professor Xavier. Projectiles you know, beams, yeah. Yeah, so it's cool that she's like that. She's very physical. Um, so the Suicide Squad's basically coming in to take Bolt. Why? I don't know, because I don't read Suicide Squad. Um, so They
2: hinted in the vaguest they, way that it's like Amanda Waller's fault, or in a way Amanda Waller has this over her, a child, and has to work for her. It's like the way it's painting. I actually hate it.
1: I think it's because they mentioned that her parents were drug dealers, yeah. but if Amanda Waller's is holding that over her head, that makes Amanda Waller worse than I. Ever yeah, thought. that's that's my that's my issue. Yeah, so I just don't like reading like reading books about bad people. I don't know what <laughs> it is. So, um, but the the Teen Titans part of this is fun. Uh, the the they uh, the Suicide Squad breaks in. They're able to stealth their way in, but then Superboy fucks everything up as he usually does. <laughs> um, and then they get into a big fight, but they're with literally every Titan in existence. <laughs> like, all the kids show up, <laughs> and it's a big fight. Um, Talon, was Talon one of the Court of people? Uh people? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Talon seems to be the one that uh, Amanda Waller can count on to basically do whatever it takes to, to make the hard decisions, to kill if need be, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So. But yeah, um, they fail, and they teleport out, and... Yeah, we see that, and that, that was a lot of fun. I, I think, I mean, as a crossover, sure. You know, um, I do. I hope we don't get too bogged down on stuff outside the academy because I really like the academy. I know, know so. for sure. And then we have um, we have where they're still trying to figure out who Red X is, and we get a tease that the world's greatest detectives are on the case now, <laughs> and we get the reveal of the Bat Pack, <laughs> which is just excellent. So. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, more Bolt, always good. Yes, um, I, I liked Crush. I'm not a fan of Lobo in general, okay. but I, I am liking Crush a bit um, from what I've seen. Oh, her!
2: She she, I, had, she was so justified leaving the group, like the way
1: the way she did. Where it was just like you guys, fucked oh, yeah.
2: everything up, and you're mad at me. <laughs> Especially, especially yeah. against like Donna Troy is like you fucking thought I was gonna murder somebody. Like, nah, <laughs> bitch, I'm out. Especially if, if if you see me like that, then there's the rest of them have no hope. So I it's just totally justified. It. And yeah. also, Red X has like he either stole Spawn's cape or has nothing but the gla- like he's like the only one that has like the glamour <laughs> shots with this cape. It seems like every time the panel gets is gonna come to him, he has to go whoosh. Just so it looks like <laughs> really fucking good for the panel. <laughs> nice. Also, any new theories for Red X? There's no way it's Damien. He's too tall.
1: No, I don't think it's a character we know. Okay, or I mean, I, th- I think it's a character we know, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a student. I don't think it's one of the Teen Titans. I think it's a character outside of it. And I think it's a dodge. Ooh, okay.
2: I was wondering, mm-hmm. it's like if it's not Damien, could it be just? Tim like is only his only way to to let loose, be a bad boy. Other than that, nobody would believe him.
1: No, <laughs> no, Tim. <laughs> X-ray on the <laughs> intake. Uh, so, all right, let's move on to Marvel. Uh, let's start with Miles Morales. Cool. So
2: cool. This is Miles Morales, Spider Man number twenty six, Legacy uh, issue number two sixty six, and this is by Saladin Ahmed. Uh, uh, art by Carmen Carnero. And yeah, coloring by David Guriel, lettering by Corey Petit. This is part two of Maz Morales turn at his clone saga. And where we last left off, it was him facing the three miles. The handsome looking one, the spider horrendous looking one, and the globby-looking one. And he gets a lowdown on on this in this conversation. His name is Selim. Which at first I first thought I was like, "Are you serious? You're just gonna make Miles backwards as like the dude's name?" <laughs> and it's like, "I am Selim. These are my brothers. We are you, but better." And this one, I'm like, oh, "Are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> really? Like, um, fucking Saladin? You're gonna like flip the name?" But then it's like, "Oh shit, it's actually really fucking perfect." Salim <laughs> means undamaged in Arabic. I am fluent in seven languages: Cantonese, German, enough Spanish. To know that yours is embarrassing. So I'm like oh shit, it's actually a real word, and they can actually run with it, and it's actually perfect. So that's really cool. And also, yeah. for someone who were like, they're for for a character that they're, they're really pushing that they're just like a person of color. Miles Morales should have actually been a little, a lot more fluent in Spanish, especially who his mom is and how she is. And they've made his grandma, her mom, a character to be like that, like uptight Mexican grandma
1: or like Latino grandma.
2: So it's like, yeah, I kind of do wish that Miles would have had better Spanish. So nice call out there. It's,
1: it's actually played, it's played off a little bit in the game that his Spanish isn't great. Mm, okay. The, the, the new one. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it was cool. It's kind of a cool call out
2: there from, from like his counterpart, his counterpart. So yeah, it really becomes like a three on one. Um, As soon as Miles makes a move, the the big lobby one just gets bigger and in his face, and literally becomes a three on one. And he's like, "There are three of us, and you have, and you do not have any brothers." (laughs) Triggered the the cue for all the other spiders. That creepy carbon copy is where you're wrong. And Spider Man shows up. So fuck yeah, let's even the odds here, and it becomes a really cool fucking fight. Like at least like at this one, at least. Peter is able to just like believe every word Miles is saying when he wasn't before, which is still total bullshit. I hate that Peter can just be like, "Tell me what's been going on," and I'm not going to believe you until shit happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like they're able to get away, like it's like they're pretty much like it's like disappear, which I think they also have Miles' cloaking uh, cloaking ability. They they do the rounds ar- around the city, and they're just like Peter's like, Gee, we need to stop." Like if anything, I can I can definitely tell like you need to stop. Like. Because Miles wants to keep going all night, and Peter's like, "I've been there. Like I've been in my dark times. Where I've been, I've definitely messed with my fucking clone saga shit. So I know what you want to do right now, and it's not helping. You need to focus on being Miles." And he kind of he kind of gets that, and at the same time, it sounds like okay, Peter, you, you should have been here maybe like oh, I don't know, maybe two volumes ago instead of just like in the beginning of Miles's. 616 Spider-Man career you've just been like you're in charge of New York while I'm out of here and that's that is <laughs> being super just like a like patronizing towards him and now it's kind of like yeah he probably needed these words like a while back ago <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah so Miles goes back home he's, he's able to focus he remembers he had like a paper to do and when he gets home it's like Genki's there being like with his arms crossed and he's like so you want to punch me in the face now and it's like oh shit we're coming back to it like Genki wasn't over with like the conversation where we left off <laughs> and and so and i thought that but apparently apparently the clones also have miles's phone number a clone of miles's phone number and they texted miles's ex genki's current girlfriend a bunch of bullshit that they're fighting and just to trigger genki and then be like yo no bro He's like it's not me so of course he believes them because it wasn't true yeah and yeah miles has some gets like some me time at least for the night he finishes his paper and stuff while genki was is able to kind of like track the phone since it's a copy of his phone, find my phone um, and is able to work. So literally does not sleep all night, works on the paper, finishes the paper and goes back out into the city to just like keep doing the thing. He's able, and then and this is kind of where the issue wraps up. He does find where the clones are, are hiding only they're not there. And he finds like a, a lab, like a twisted lab. And he literally just like, Oh shit, this is how they're making more of me. Well, not anymore. And destroys the whole thing. And then that's when they show up, the clones. And just like, what's the meaning of this? You came here to, you came back here to get, wait, no, why? Why would you take away our only cure? (laughs) And they fuck (laughs) him up and they're, they're about to like rip him apart. Um, And so, so so they, they tie him up, they web him up. And it's like, you just destroyed the only way we can actually cure ourselves or to sustain life. So before we die, you're going to fucking die too. And that's where it's to be continuous. It's like, Oh shit. Oh no. It's like a slightly different take on the clone saga. But yeah, that's miles Morales right now. Nice. Nice.
1: All right. I have a couple solos. I'm going to quick fire Dr. Afra number 10. Um, This one wraps up the current story about the, uh, the special engines that can, you know, go insanely fast and Uh uh, long story short. uh, I'm not going to get too much into it, but she saves the day. Um, so written by Alyssa Wong pencil by Ray Anthony height inked by Victor Olazaba colored by Rochelle Rosenberg and lettered by Joe Carb Magna. But the important part is this is the prelude to war of the bounty hunters, oh God, yeah. which is going to be a star Wars crossover in Marvel comics. I think it's going to cross over with the Darth Vader book. Okay. If I remember correctly. So, uh, they do set that up with the exit, uh, the extra, <laughs> the outro. There we go. Um, so, And she's getting pitted against her old partner, uh, just lucky. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. I'm excited about it. It is going to get its own run. Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters number one. So I'm very excited about that. And, um, yeah, I'm really, really, really ecstatic about it. That's really fun. So um, moving on from here. Uh, what I'm going to go ahead and do is talk about my next book that's solo, and that is Reptil Number One. So, Reptil is a young hero that was in uh, Avengers Academy, and uh, I really liked him. He, his power is he can transform into dinosaurs, which is kind of silly, but also a lot of fun. And uh, they decided to give him his own book, and I hope this means he's going to be joining a team of some sort or something like that. I think uh he I think uh, he could definitely fit into a um I think he can definitely fit into one of the young hero teams. So so hey Reptil uh, I I asked you if you got it you said you didn't pick it up but um or that you thought you did. It was just like me with Robin. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, I swear I have
1: it around. It's going to pop up. <laughs> so uh it's a shame because I think this book's right up your wow, alley. Um, it refers back to Avengers Academy uh quite a bit uh real quick creative team written by terry bloss penciled by enid balam inked by victor olazaba colored by carlos lopez and lettered by joe sabino um so he goes back home to arizona and it's actually carefree arizona which is actually pretty close to where i live um so and the whole thing is he's no longer a superhero Hmm. he's retired and all this stuff because his uncle's like Sick, and he wants to take care of him and things like that. So, um, they do little teases. Like, did you read Avengers Academy? Briefly, it was probably for like a tie in or two. So, in in that, my favorite character was Finesse, okay, and uh, who is the Taskmaster's daughter, by the way. Okay, cool. Um, and she has the same powers and she's oh. awesome, but they date, and it's like it's a weird relationship where he doesn't feel like he was ever in control, mm. like she. she it's finesse she was going to be in control (laughs) and then now he's like i'm gonna and they actually tie it into outlawed where he's like and now there's kamala's law where i can't do my powers anymore because i don't have a sponsor and he meets this meets the family he's going to be living with which is uh his aunt who is a doctor who can help take care of the uncle that's sick um his cousin ava who quote has always been a bit of overachiever and is an avid reader already taking college courses even though she's in (laughs) high school and then there's Julian, Eva's twin. And Julian is a dapper young man, and I love him. He's a, vo- a vlogger who makes videos about fashion and pop culture. Um, so, they end up sharing a room, and it's a pretty dope room, actually. Uh, so, you can kind of see it's like a loft room. Oh, nice. But the first thing I saw, and I'm like, ooh, hopefully oh, I love that. They have a painting of Frida Kahlo of right there. On the course. That's wall. cool. So, yeah. And then, not a page later, we see he's got a selena shirt on it's oh, a cool long sleeve <laughs>
0: damn yeah i
1: need to i need to find this book or actually go get it yeah and then they're talking about like the big thing is with uh reptile's parents they're presumed to be dead mm-hmm. uh in the thing where he got his powers they presume to have died then they go to santee alley in los angeles which just looks like so much fun yeah. they one of them refers it to it as the mexican disneyland and the other one says disneyland is mexican disneyland <laughs> so i thought it was pretty funny um his his twin julian or his cousin julian walking around speaking spanish he seems to be the one to speak spanish the best and he's ordering tacos for them and reptiles all excited it's like his first authentic taco in years and then a super villain attacks and he's like you just ruined my first authentic taco oh, years, my God. which i thought was a great line <laughs> and they get into a fight uh, he has to use his powers to save the kid he uses it super creatively which, I, I kind of want to see what you thought, because he doesn't just transform into a dinosaur, he uses parts of dinosaurs. Oh, okay. So, like, you can see, like, right here, he has, like, a triceratops head. Yeah. But with a normal tail, because he's, like, ramming the dude. And, like, he, yeah, he just uses bits and parts of different dinosaurs and stuff. And he's about to be killed, and then his overachieving cousin fires a blast of energy. <gasps> Ooh. And then she looks in her hands like, what? And then she passes out. And so Reptile basically shuts it down. There's a really cool shot where the guy's like, the bad guy's like, this ends now. He's like, you're right, we're done here. And he's got like the... Oh, that's so cool. Like the dinosaur eye. Yeah. And so he jumps and uh, takes... He basically is about to take the guy out. And the guy's like, um, I know something you don't. I know where your parents are. And that was the that was the tease. Yeah. So yeah, pretty fun. I really enjoyed it. So um, I, I'm excited for Reptile to get his own book. Um, I was a big fan of Avengers Academy. Mm-hmm specifically finesse hazmat i really liked hazmat quite a bit um i think it was and then the i,
2: was, I think it was like during the time where it was just like because it was kind of civil war-ish era so it's definitely mm-hmm. a book that was a pro tony so it was kind of like i can't <laughs>
1: it was it was post it was just war. yeah it was like because it was part of the, the kids who were actually like signed up yeah but it was funny because it was kind of like they were almost like the young thunderbolts not the young avengers oh, if funny. you know the hook behind it cuz basically well it's it's not a spoiler cuz it's been around forever um avengers academy they had all these students but they weren't students that they thought would be good heroes it was students they were worried were going to become villains oh i see and so they're trying to train it out of them no wonder i was and, wondering
2: what what happened with, like th- i was wondering what the deal was with like the the bulky red skull looking kid
1: <laughs> metal yeah metal is one of my favorites too actually he is—he's a surfer from Hawaii. Oh. Yeah, and he's too heavy to float on a surfboard. <laughs> it's the biggest tragedy of all. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I really—I really liked uh, *Avengers: The Community*. That's probably going to be in our book club. That's cool. Hawaii, so. I'll be down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Next up, let's start talking about books we share. We're going to start off with a banger. Battery Bill number oh, three. Oh, Fuck yeah! Written, drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson, colored by Mike Spicer, and lettered by Josephino with Daniel Warren Johnson. Um. So Better Ray Bill is going into Muspelheim to get a new a weapon, which is Surter's sword. As they enter, something happens, and his ship spawns a sexy robot lady body <laughs> that is also the ship. She controls both. And we just get this nonstop, action-packed, hilarious story. Uh, I loved this book. It's just a lot of action. It's scourge the executioner being over the top and ridiculous. <laughs> um, it's Pip the troll trying his best to keep up and, and being like, super cool, like yeah. super
2: action packed Pip. Like no, before we even reached like the before I even reached the the halfway point of this issue, I didn't say I want to see this movie. I literally said out loud, I want to play this fucking game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. So basically they discover they have to dive through some lava and they're trying to like, like scuttlebutt is trying to reinforce the ship to make it stronger. And then we get what is the most random, but one of my favorite bits about it is uh better Ray Bill has played ping pong against himself on the journey. Cause he's been alone for a chunk mm-hmm. of it. Well, they have him and scuttlebutt have a ping pong game and they not only have a ping pong game, they have a straight up anime ping pong game. <laughs> where the ball is like bending shape and shit and everything looks all exciting right in the middle. Of, they're in hell basically. And they're having a ping pong battle. It's amazing. Love it. Um, but yeah, so Scott about trying to figure out what's going on with her, why she is the way she is like why she have, you know, basically a soul. It seems mm-hmm. like now. And she gives them a new ax. That's polycarbon nanite steel, mini power thrust action, latching alternate blade attachments. and, then he puts it to good use and kicks a bunch of ass. We also get Scourge doing his famous pose <laughs> with the two gigantic guns going, let's do this, <laughs> like gunning a bunch of people down. They fight a bunch of demons. It's a lot of fun. Um It's just such a fun book. Like so much fun stuff happens. Fun is the word. I'm just geeky. Yeah, so it's, it's just so awesome. Like, Scourge
2: at one point cries because of how awesome everything is. <laughs> it literally <laughs> became my Twitter picture because like, it was awesome. It was my favorite panel of the, of the week.
1: And I literally feel like Daniel Warren Johnson went to Marvel was like, I want to do a better pill book. And they're like, okay, well, do you want to use any other characters? He's like, yes. They're like, who? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, let's get the randomizer. And they pull out this machine that literally has every Marvel character in it. And they're like, Hit the button. It's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> scourge the executioner, Pip the troll. He's like, all right, <laughs> like, like, I love it. It's, it's, but it's so much fun. It's just, oh, I love it. All right. Let's move on to a finale. Ooh. Maestro war and oh, packs. Number five. I got uh, this variant Gulliver travel style with all these little dooms trying to hold. Oh, them that's down. so cool. I actually didn't see that one. Yeah. Yeah. Cover a for me. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, it's, um, I think it's Joshua Cazara. Yeah, I think it was Joshua nice. Cazara. So, um, so Maestro has taken out the Pantheon. And now, the end aim, and the only person left is Dr. Doom. He goes back to his base, and they're like, oh, you're back. He told us you weren't going to come back. And they're like, who? Him. pointing up to Dr. Doom. Uh, so, creative team, real quick. Written by the wonderful Peter David. Drawn by Javier Pina. Uh, and German Peralta, uh, colored by Jesus Obertov, and letter by Travis Lanham. Um, Banner, or, or I should say Maestro, he would hate yeah. that. Maestro and Doom seem to be in agreement. Like, oh, good, we're working together. And they have a dinner together. And Doom's like, yeah, we're going to unite and rule the world. And Maestro's like, I, I poisoned your <laughs> wife, basically. Like, and he went to the world once too often. And they get into a fight because, of course, Doom was prepared for that. And then they get this cool fight, superhero fight. You can imagine what it looks like. It's a lot of fun. But because Maestro's smart, he outsmarts Doom. And he happens to put him between two gigantic electromagnets and just shreds him of all of his armor, which was absolutely brutal. <laughs> I was like, good God, man. And then Maestro just starts beating the shit out of him and breaking his bones. Uh,. Doom manages to grab his his helmet and t- teleport away. I like
2: that part where, like, Vice was like,
1: "You put up in
2: your face? Did I do
1: that?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "No, Reed Richards did." Yet. He's like, oh, "Okay, I'm <laughs> like, then. I'm
2: sorry, I was took it too far." But
1: <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so basically, he's like, "Well, you know, I hope he stays away." And then he teases at the end. Uh, he's going to find a very imperfect future, and then the guy who's like Hulk's or Maestro's second in command finds Doom's time platform, yeah. in the time machine. So, and then we get a one-page tease <laughs> and tells us, and we know by we know by the thing at the end of this, we have had two Maestro series so far. There's one more. There's going to be a trilogy of Maestro series.
2: Yeah, I thought with Future Imperfect that would. Would have completed the trilogy to just tell the origins, but the fact that we're actually getting a, a modern day trilogy for for that setup is really cool.
1: Yeah, called World War M. Yeah. So and it's got some character <laughs> designs including Namor looking vampire esque. So I this love
2: it. Namor, wow! Like I'm honestly I'm blown away. Like the little goatee, like everything, the vampire esque, the armor, the cape sure don't, don't yeah. you fucking mess with this anymore, I swear to God.
1: <laughs> Next up, let's talk about Marvel's 2. Okay. Um so this is the one that's the big crossover we've been talking about. Uh featuring some new characters, featuring some old characters, There's a lot going on here. Uh, but let's let's kind of go through it. Basically, it's it's around the uh, nation of what was it again? It's, it's a fake one that Marvel makes up. Sien Kong? Oh, yeah. Was it Sien Kong? Xian uh, Kong. Okay, yeah. So basically, we got this one guy who basically gives people superhero tours and also looks like he works for uh, the Tinkerer, his uncle, mm-hmm. to find devices at the scene of fights and bring them back to him to sell. Uh, so he seems to be the main character of this. Uh, he runs into the Black Cat and basically she's like oh i've worked with the tinkerer go ahead and take that thing <laughs> so that was fun um we don't see a lot of the big characters we see we saw last issue and we also don't see because this takes place across three time frames we don't see the future time frame right either, which we saw last time which i don't think we'll come back to until i really need mm-hmm. to um we do get to see human torch and thing flying through the air uh talking about it the movie <laughs> and about how ben doesn't like it he prefers books which i thought was pretty great um but yeah it's it's just kind of a cool setup and gives us an idea of what to expect. We get a really cool appearance by Aero, A E R O yeah. and also um Melinda May from Agents of Shield makes an appearance, which I oh, thought was cool. cool, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a fun one. It's a kind of a setup um I'm very interested in and I like the cover for the next issue because we get to see Reed and Ben Grimm are on a government mission before they were the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Probably just seeing Kong and that is Bucky on the side. I know. So yeah. A lot of fun. I mean, like it's it's touching on a lot of the different corners of the Marvel universe, just like a book called The Marvels should. Yeah. You
0: know?
1: So anything else you want to say
2: about it? No, that a quick one, just like to kind of set up like the only really the major interesting point was like the, the entities kind of setting up the points of like the strands and patterns and stuff like that. But again, setting mm. up stuff for much, much later.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And next up, we're going to dive into Heroes Reborn. We had four books this week. so we got two of them. So I'll talk about the ones he did not pick up first. Siege Society. You don't have anything to do with talking about
2: Heroes Reborn 4 first? The main book? No. Okay. Know, They're kind of
0: congruent.
1: This, this event yeah. it has been really weird how it's been telling the story. It, di- it didn't do it like Peter Parker. No, no more. Okay, Peter cool. Parker, okay. Where it runs directly to it. So, Siege Society. One of the things I love about this is we we're talking about how it's kind of like there's a whole alternate world where a lot of things have happened that we're never going to see. Mm. So, in this one, it says Squadron Supreme have been split by a civil war <laughs> that pitted Hyperion against Night- Nighthawk and forced the rest to pick sides. The war is now over, but the squadron are still divided. So basically Nighthawk, who is their version of Batman, yeah. goes to um, to England to set up a base. Uh, this one's written by Cody Ziglar, uh, drawn by Paco Medina, colored by Pete Pant- Pantasis, and lettered by Joe Sabino. Um, this one's fun. This is kind of like Suicide Squad. I think it's their version of Suicide okay. Squad. Because it's Baron Zemo, yeah. and he's leading a team with Black Widow uh, Scarlet Speedster mm-hmm. Sabretooth Hawkeye which is Clinton Barton by the way um, Scott Lang red a- I think he's called Red Ant in this and a version of US Agent where he's a uh, Russian instead but it's still John Walker but his name is like Walkovich or something <laughs> like that so basically their whole thing is they're breaking into Nighthawks um, base and they actually do really good against them they kill a bunch of squadrons Supreme. premium le- people but it's like the b team so this this book answered my question of is tom thumb gonna appear in this series because squads they had a character named tom thumb he's just a short guy who's really good at inventing things and that's pretty much it so he does appear i believe he survives but he took a pretty bad hit they kill off amphibian which is their version of aquaman um you get to meet a bunch of the other like blatant ripoffs and it's very funny uh like golden archer who's very much hawkeye <laughs> Um, Blue Eagle, who's very much Hawkman. Or not Hawkeye. Green Arrow, I mean. And then Hawkman. um, And then there was uh, one more. What was it? Um, Oh, Arcana, which is their version of um, Zatanna. She has to rhyme her spells and stuff. Okay, yeah. uh, But in the end, uh, the squadron wins. And because you read the other two, this starts the theme that we're going to be talking about with Heroes Reborn, which is Man, this is unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, um, we're going to talk about what Heroes Were Born, but you know the tease at the very end of Heroes Were Born for. Mm-hmm. It happens here, too. Oh, okay. So, can you read that? You know the Sex Pistols God Save the yeah. Queen?
2: It's not, okay. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah with the name. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to it, guys. But yeah, they win. It was fun. It was a fun little backup story. Uh, you got Magneto in the, Mag- the mutant Force, yes. right? Okay, so I'll talk about Young Squadron. Uh, Young Squadron is kind of like a Young Avenger story. Written by Jim Zub. Mm-hmm. Drawn by Stephen Cummings. Uh, colored by Eric Arsianega. lettered by Clayton Cowles. And it's kind of like Nova, Miles, and Kamala, but in a different world. So, in this world, Nova sees Doc Spectrum, who we're going to talk about in okay. a bit. He's about to get beat by Modak. <laughs> yes, Modak, not Modoc, which stands for Mobile Organism Designed Always to Conquer. And they're fighting. And he's actually about to beat Doc Spectrum when the kid grabs the gym and he becomes a little kid version of oh, okay. Doc Spectrum. Yeah. And he becomes a psychic called Kid Spectrum. So, then we have Kamala Khan who discovers that her her supervisor at a museum is smuggling contraband to the mafia. And so she tries to contact Power Princess, but decides to take things and take matters into her own hands. So she grabs a tiara in the, the stuff that's being uh, utopian circlet, I should say, that's being uh, smuggled, puts it on, and then suddenly she has like these cool little gauntlets and stuff and runs nice. in. She takes them all down, and then Power Princess shows up. She's like, and she goes, Merciful Mephisto, Mm -hmm. what happened here? Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, I wasn't going to steal it. I just wanted to help. And then uh, Zarda is like, keep it. We have a new title, or you're a new hero, and I'm going to name you Girl Power. (laughs) Oh, my
2: God, I hate these names for the the (laughs) big I know, it's so
1: bad. It's so bad. It gets worse. Um, So then we get Nighthawk, and when they talk about Falcon dying. Uh Uh-huh. You know, which that we talked about, that was a sidekick. And we have Miles being like, man, I really wanted uh, wanted to be Falcon so bad. So he decides to invent a bunch of stuff, and he becomes Falcon. And he's like a little kid version of Falcon. And he saves Nighthawk. And Nighthawk's like, what are you doing? And he's just like, he says, what in Mephisto's name do you think you're doing? Here's where they start dropping it, really. Uh, Yeah. And he's just like, I'm helping you. And he's like, no, you can't. Your kid and he's like, I get it, boss. I'm willing to make that sacrifice if that's what it takes. He's like, absolutely not. Basically, <laughs> um, so he goes by Falcon. Uh, so yeah, um, but basically, the three of them meet up and they become a team and they fight the uh, the Wrecking Crew and they're they're doing their thing and it, it's just very much like this is what happens. And then some smoke grenades go off nearby after they take out the Wrecking Crew and knock them all out. And who shows up? But Deadpool. Oh shit!
2: Ooh, okay.
1: See the mallet in yeah. his Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And he's all like snappy, and he takes Kid Spectrum. No, he takes Falcon. Sorry, he takes Kid Falcon. Whatever with him, and kidnaps him. And you find out that um, that Falcon was killed by the Goblin, which is the Joker, mm-hmm. basically. And Deadpool is like, and he was my bestest pal in the whole world. I'm like Yeah. So he's Harley Quinn, basically. They could have like retained um, Deadpool
2: as Deadpool since and then just him knowing that he was the copy of Deathstroke.
1: I was thinking <laughs> that too, actually. So but there there's like little little hints that he knows something more is going on too. So yeah. But basically they they stop him. And then a Nighthawk shows up to take Deadpool into custody. And he's like, I don't know how he keeps getting out of Ravencroft Asylum. Mm. And I was like, it's a bit on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but basically, the, he's like, hey, where's that Falcon kid? And the other two are like, I don't know. And they're like, yeah, he doesn't look like he wants to help. And Deadpool basically tells them, hey, they're not here to help you. They're not good guys. Mm. Like, It's like, they're bad guys. And so the young squadron decides not to be the young squadron. They're not going to call themselves that anymore. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And so they're going to be. They said, um, "Let's be the heroes they should always have been." And it's like not just heroes, champions. Oh, Okay. I thought. And Nova goes, "You know that name's not bad." So... Oh, they're gonna, like spin into some sort of like
2: for Titans instead.
1: Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, that takes us to Magneto and the mutant force. Uh. So this is basically the mutant story in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure we're only going to get the one really uh, written by Steve Orlando, drawn by Bernard Chang, colored by David Curiel and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, basically in this world, uh, mutants have an Island. It's not Krakoa. We don't have the same thing going on, um, but we find out that, that uh, the squadron basically want to take out the mutants and they took out Uh, Xavier. But Xavier has taken refuge in Magneto's brain, basically. And they're trying to get Xavier out. And it felt very much like the scene from Days of Future Past, the movie Uh uh, in the future, where everybody's just trying to hold it off while Wolverine's in the past (laughs) and they keep dying and stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool. And one of the things I really like, Frenzy features very heavily, and I love Frenzy. I
2: actually dig her john ramada jr like design vibe
1: oh like the big really buff yeah. look like yeah and i really like the fact they showed this school right mm-hmm. they're like oh that's where he taught his original five students and four of them look very familiar uh-huh. but cyclops does not look like cyclops <laughs> i think that's erg oh, I... who was a who was a morlock he also has eye rays.
2: Oh, nice. oh!
1: And he has that hair. Oh, yeah,
2: it I, I thought I thought it was gonna be, um, in this case, his son. Um, was it? Who we just saw in way, uh, way of X? Legion.
1: Yeah. It might be Legion. I thought it'd be Legion of
2: X. like his his actual son, and it's like a little leader like and little leader position. Mm. And yeah, it, it's mostly because of the hair.
1: Yeah. I was thinking Irk just because I'm again, I'm an X factor fan and he played a pretty mm-hmm. big role in X factor. The so. position of his hands does Urg oh.
2: have like projectiles or something that can like position himself that way.
1: No, no, oh. I didn't okay. think about that. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's just a Morlock. he also is missing an eye, but that, I mean, this is a different world. So that might not even be <laughs> the case, you know? So, so they're trying to awaken Xavier the whole time. And, um, Finally, it's like Power Princess and Hyperion. They're, they're basically killing mutants left and right, trying to get through. And then all of a sudden, they start fading from existence. And they're like, our cells are changing. We're just blinking out of existence. Stop them. It has to be one of them. And they're gone. Oh, and the other thing, uh, Sabra is all over this. And I love Sabra. Uh-huh. Such an underused character. Um, so we're like, what's going on? What's happening? And we discover that... The professor did not come back. And this is such a great, for a story I did not like, really, this is a great way to use it in this world. Because the part that escaped Professor Xavier wasn't Professor Xavier. It was Cassandra Nova, which is his like twin sister who shared basically a body with him in the womb. So in this world, she was still in his body and managed to escape when he didn't. So that was a cool thing. I kind of wish these weren't one shots. We've said it a Just couple a times a little now. bit. <laughs> so I could be like, Oh now what? And you know, and they're like, no, we're not going to tell you. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's fun. What'd you think?
2: This one was really cool. Especially, I mean, um, I always forget. It's grim. And very. And I always, especially because <laughs> when you see Xavier being actually chopped in half and not in a vertical or horizontal way, literally down diagonal with his arm in the way too, is it, it was pretty, pretty brutal. Um, also yeah. did like these little editor notes on to make more jabs towards DC. Yeah. MSB with Power Princess began way back in Catastrophe encounter Earth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Crisis, Excellent. right? Um yeah, totally but um, I, I was forget about Cassandra. I, I thought the whole like being inside Magneto's brain was and then again because we just saw it. Onslaught I thought it was gonna be onslaught. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Onslaught too, yeah. <laughs> so but it's a cool twist. I like Oh no it, it was so. it was fun. Again, like maybe in this case, like unlike Future State, these as two-parters would have been great.
0: Yeah.
1: And that takes us to Heroes Are Born number four. Oh, <laughs> uh, written by Jason Aaron, drawn by James Tocco, Ed McGinnis, and Mark Morales, and colored by Matt Wilson with Corey Petit doing the lettering. So our first story focuses on Doc Spectrum. And basically it's like, hey, look, he's Green Lantern. So basically the whole thing. Um, and again, we start to see this, this awful, awful side of the squadron. Yeah. Where they're like, we're American and we're going to do what <sighs> it takes. And it's just like, holy shit. And obviously, it's done intentionally. Yeah, no, totally. You know, but it's just kind of like, oh, it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, to read. I mean? So, um, I love his, his inner dialogue, by the way. I don't know if you noticed this, but, um, the inner dialogue for Doc Spectrum has a rainbow print in the background of oh, each fuck box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was kind of cool. So, um, so basically, every alien race is like, uh, "We need to stop Earth." Can you stop Doc Spectrum? And who do they hire? But the fiercest bounty hunter on in the in the universe, Rocket Raccoon, who also has a gun that is Groot, <laughs> <laughs> so, and fires other Groots, so, which is just ridiculous. Basically, the fight. Doc Spectrum uh, is able to defeat and kill Groot, no less. And Rocket loses his mind, and you find out that he has the Star oh, Brand. God. And they start fighting, and it's. And could you imagine Rocket with the Star Dude, Brand insane. in our actual society? <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, but basically, he's like, you know, what do you do? You know, what does the guy whose best friend was a machine gun do with the most powerful weapon in cosmic existence? <laughs> He makes a gun that shoots stars. That's so awesome. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. He shoots the star at him. Doc Spectrum slices it in half. Okay. And then he he realizes or he reveals that the Cancerverse mm-hmm. from annihilation he encountered it and trapped it in his gem so he lets it out and it consumes Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> he then puts Rocket Raccoon headfirst into a supernova to get him to talk. Uh-huh. And then he dies. Then we see a thing where the kid Quasar, who is in the Marvel universe right now, um, finds out that Rocket's dead and that he needs to basically get out. And then we get the reveal. <laughs> this is the first time really we get the reveal. We see Doc Spectrum talking to Phil, uh, Phil Coulson.
2: In a cathedral.
1: In a church. Yeah. <laughs> in a cathedral, yeah. And he's just, you know, they make reference to it. It's like, this is the house of the Lord. We can speak freely here. And they're just talking about it. And they're like... Sound like uh, someone said that reality's been tampered with, and he's like, I don't know, it sounds like nonsense. And then you look at the collection plate, and there's a $10 bill that says, In Mephisto, we trust. <laughs> and then we see the altar, and it's a big statue of Mephisto. God. I love that page so much. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> so, and then we see a bit more about the uh, Kid Star brand, which is cool. Yeah. So, um, that was a cool twist that Mephisto's behind all this.
2: Right. And, and I love that the, I dig this it. I, dig I love it. This, this whole past or this whole year has been just a running gag on the on the MCU shows that it's always Mephisto since like WandaVision. <laughs> but it's finally happening in the comics. I bet I bet Marvel was like, "Fuck, they're ruining it." <laughs> <laughs> they're ruining the surprise. It's not going to
1: be cool now. Um, so.
2: but uh no, this one was super cool. I, I again, I did this one was grim in the in the way where it's just like I was scared. Of Dr. Spectrum. Whereas, like, shit, we like It's like, this is a person that can finally reach an American religious person that can go up to the heavens, but then realize that space is just nothing but blasphemy. So he does something about it every time. And just because it's un-American, everything up there is un-American. That, that to me, was just so fucked up and, and, and scary, actual scary to just have this man just have the, wielding this much power and have this mentality it was just like mm-mm, i hate this so much <laughs> <laughs> uh but then the, yeah. the with the backstory that i like that that wakanda is in space i like that that, yes. that wakanda is in space and then like with the ship with like the the whole like the way it looks it's just like this is really cool like i'm glad where this is going <laughs> almost like what is black panther going to be the Darkhawk? cuz like this the wings kind of look like it or no? Oh yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. Because like, it's, it's the, Nova, to be the, Nova. The, the DC spin, not uh, a what if on someone else. But yeah, no, maybe. Oh, maybe it'll tie into what if, and he'll be Star Lord. Oh yeah, there you go. Because they mentioned Quill's not Star Lord. Right. He, so. he he. Rocket mentions Quill in, a, in a, as an old man, and it's like something else. But yeah, honestly, I was kind of scared of this issue. Just the way the being in the yeah. psyche of Doctor Spectrum was just like, I don't want to be here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's just like, America, <laughs> fuck everybody else. And I'm like, oh, God, I lived in Texas. I know what this is like. So, like, all right, we got two books yes. left. New Mutants number 18. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, yeah, where do you go from here? Yeah, that's the correct reaction. Oh, uh, written by Vida Ayala, <laughs> drawn by Rod Rees, letter by Travis Lanham. Okay. <laughs> A lot to unpack. It, there's a lot, and it's kind of really sad. So, they deal with the fact that Karma's brother is in her head, and he's basically been merged with her psyche. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, they found a way to fix that, which is if she goes through the crucible, they can bring them both back separately. And of course, there's always the normal crucible questions that we don't want to ask. Well, should we be doing this? Is this right? Is it an affront <laughs> to God? <laughs> yeah. You know, so but also at the same time it's like you know there's a moment where she's like what if i'm different what if you know what if what if with him gone i'm completely different you know what if there's she's she's doubting if it'll even work correctly you mm-hmm. know so um but she decides to go through the crucible and she picks danny to be her her person to fight in the crucible yeah. we're also dealing with the fallout of the other side of it which is all the young kids hang out with the shadow king and he's teaching them to do bad things, basically. And Scout doesn't want them doing it. And she's trying her best to like talk to them. And I love, 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 love that she went to Warpath and the interaction he had. Oh with my her. God, yes. Like he, he's such a good big brother. Like he's the best. So, um, but he basically tells her, like, hey, you know, like you're, you're going to do what you're going to do. You know, you know what you're about. It's your thing. And he's like, I only asked this once. Do you need help? Do you want someone to back you up? She's <laughs> like, no. And he's like, "All right, well, let me know, yeah." You know? And it's like, "He's the best. He's the he best." So, and It's funny because, like, she's like, "Okay, I, I want to ask, but I already know what your
2: reaction is going to be." But of course, it's like, it's not the reaction she was expecting when she's like, "Wait, you're not going to try and stop me?" And then, yeah, it's like everything you just said that he says. It's like, "Yeah, Warpath is the best."
1: <laughs> yeah. So we cut back to the Crucible. Uh, Karma's not taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she's hesitating, and Danny basically punches her in the face. To make I her do palm it. a so. in the face.
2: It gets, it gets it right yeah. in the fucking nose.
1: And then we get to see uh, the kids. Again, they're arguing about body swapping into a dead body, which is not going to end well. <laughs> like, somehow, <laughs> like at all. Yeah. And then, again, the Scout tries to stop them, and Wolfsbane, of all people, shows up, and basically takes her to the Shadow King to discuss this and be like, you know, like I'll leave you to it. You know, share your fears, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then back in the crucible, they do the awesome samurai yes. moment where they both charge each other with a blade. There's a splash of blood, and then <laughs> Karma spits up blood, falls over. Danny holds her, and Karma says, "If I have to die, I'd be lying if I said I was oh, sorry." The last, this is the last thing <laughs> I see. It's like ah. <laughs> Like, i'm so tired danny you can rest now and then they bring her back and they're chanting her name and that's where we leave off so i'm assuming it was successful with her brother we didn't see him no though.
2: we didn't see him so but we'll see. i'm pretty sure she was going to be up on the queue first knowing who he was yeah um uh, but yeah i think i think for sure it worked since um you're your own woman again it's what storm says so it's like we have to take that to, to consideration at least yeah that leads us to our last book. No, just a quick pointing out, like during the Crucible, oh, please, Danny using two like broken arrows as daggers. Gosh, it's so fucking hard. I fucking love her so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, so last book, X-Men number 20. Oh, man. Uh, oh. Written by Jonathan Hickman. Oh, God.
0: We are so bastard. fucked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Drawn by Francisco Mobili, colored by Sonny Go and lettered by Clayton Cowles. So this is Mystique issue. And basically, Orcus, the whole people that started this fucking shit, mm-hmm. with the Sentinel factory around the sun. And it's Mystique's job to take care of them. And Charles and Magneto are like, yeah, if you take care of them, we'll bring destiny back. And she's like, you promise? And they're like, yeah, as long as you succeed, yeah. then we'll do it. And it's like, all right. And so she goes there, she goes to Forge, he makes her a miniature <laughs> black hole producer. She goes up, she basically gets on the, the, the station, she's sitting there in disguise, and she sees the birth of Nimrod. Yeah. And it's actually a dude, the dude we saw die in um, House of X, uh, and he uh, he's like, oh, he's still got his personality and stuff, he's talking to his wife. And he looks over and he's like, hey, that's a mutant. Because he's, he's a sentinel. And they're like, she's like, fuck. So she throws down the black, you know, the, the black hole generator and runs. He just creates a duplicate of himself to run after her. And then he's like, I need to get rid of this. You know, I can teleport it out. And like, but you'll be destroyed. He's like, well, I'll just make a duplicate of myself. But every duplicate he makes that he doesn't reabsorb, he might lose bits of himself. Mm-hmm. And so he does it. And what does he lose? He loses himself in the very first thing. But he does save the station. Uh, So that means Mystique fails. Uh, Ash is being blasted back. Yeah, yeah, they brutally murder her, basically, and throw her back through the portal to Krakoa. And Charles and and Magneto find her. Uh, They bring her back. And they're like, what happened? They're like, you backed up my mind. You know what happened? It's like, we wanted to hear you say it. I failed. It's online. Nimrod's online. (sighs) And they're like, "All well, this changes things. And they're like, yeah, it's no putting it off. You know? She's like, wait, wait, what about Irene? And there's that moment where they both sit there. And then Charles goes, what a Charles, palace. fuck. What in the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, and then there's what we find out is a prophecy from destiny to Mystique before she yeah. died. There will be an island, not the first, but the last. This place will be seemed to be a hope for our kind. When those days come, remember these words, bring me back. If you cannot, if they will not, then burn that place to the ground. <sighs> and then, oh, and well, and then we see that um, Moira is reading the diaries of Destiny. Oh, okay. Which played a major part in Extreme X Men, by the way. Oh, okay. So, and also, I'm like, and then we turn there to report that, yeah, Nimrod, yeah, right? Yeah. And then we turn the page. Dude. Oh my God, dude. This fall, Inferno. And you know, so like when you see like the,
2: the little graphs, like the the little tiny ones, it just it just autumn, winter, spring, summer. But then down here, the books of destiny. Yep. Uh, oh. So at this point, I can <laughs> th- at this point I can only believe. it. Yeah, okay, that scene right there, Charles and 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 Eric just being complete monsters, or just being just, just cold, cold hearted looking, assholes. At this point, yeah, I have no else no other reason to believe that it's Mystique that's fucking up the whole trial thing that we're leading up to the trial. It's Mystique. Mystique has been doing
1: this like I, I thought that before this issue, to be ooh. honest. So I was kinda leaning towards that as I'm like, well it's probably Mystique. Yeah, she's gonna like bring the whole like, fucking thing down. Yeah.
2: Oh god. <laughs> it was a good time, I yeah. guess, at Krenkoa. <sighs> yeah. Or also what like what what bring me back? if not burn it all to the ground or just like, what is that, you know, that we need you for, for, for the Island to succeed or to survive. Like, but then again, what, yeah. and
1: if- and, the, and then the, the diaries of destiny also change. Mm. Like if you, ch- if you change something, then the feature could be wrong. Like, again, that's something that's dealt with pretty heavily in extreme X-Men, which is one of my favorite run, uh how, runs of X-Men. Yeah. But then it, it it's leaves. all about gathering the, the diaries, yeah. basically. And so. then we'll, and then what
2: I want to get to, like, and then leading to the side is, like, what does Moira know that we just, the reason why we shouldn't have precogs? And it's like, can we just know both? The reason why to both so we can just decide for ourselves what we should do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah, I don't know. It's, again, a great week of comics, but fuck, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So that's a lot, guys. We're going to let you go because it's getting late. But. Before we go, Josue, I can't believe I didn't think about talking about this there in the news. We got some big announcements just two days ago. We finally have the rest of the Sandman cast. Oh, yes. And I just want to say to all of you out there who have an issue with this cast for the reasons you think you or you know you do, fuck off. No one cares about your opinion. <laughs> you. I don't care if death is black because it's the concept of death. Yeah. It, it doesn't have a race. I know you had a crush on a cute goth girl and I'm sorry that you don't get to have that live action. I don't really okay, care. But this is, this is also and, for the reads, right? Or this or this is for live action, huh? right? It's oh, the live okay, action. Okay.
2: Fucking cool. Yeah. Okay.
1: And, Kirby Howell Baptiste is playing Death. Do you know her by
2: it's from Infinity Train, right? Yeah, this yes, it is.
1: It's our girl from Infinity Train. She also played um she was in the good place. Um too, so, so, so she also
2: brought it up that she's she also plays a small role in Barry. Uh, and she has yeah. a fantastic scene of like what the reason why they all get into acting and she has this premonition. And the punchline is about seeing a horse, and she she's just, she's fucking fantastic. She's gonna nail this.
1: Mm-hmm. And I also want to give a shout out to the guy who replied to this uh, because they included everybody's pronouns yeah. on the announcement, and they pointed out uh, the person that uh, is they them. They pointed out I don't need to know his pronouns, and I said you clearly do because you just said yes, yeah. oh <laughs> like yeah. you dumb fuck. <laughs> so, the fact that, no, the fact yeah.
2: that that desire is non-binary going by they them you've it, it
1: read the book
2: <laughs> when i read the book i just like oh my god this person has like so she uh, used to work with somebody na- like named ness and had the biggest crush on them and the when I first time i read Sandman, i was like oh shit this is fucking ness and it's like yeah it should have and then you see pictures of who they're playing like like their actor pictures and it's like oh my god this is fucking desire like uh, top to bottom this is gonna be fucking awesome
1: yeah but yeah, um, so we just want to go ahead and say we are fully supporting of the cast. Fuck yeah, and uh, as always, you guys know us by now. Um, diversity is a good thing, and stop fucking fighting it. So cool! Uh, thank you so much for joining us on. We have issues. Uh, you can always check us out at Geek Elite Media on Twitter as well as geekelitemedia For us uh, specifically, you can check out the Twitter for this show at Whi Podcast. You can check me at WHI Podcast Keith, our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, and Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. You can also check out our sister show at JuPux Vertigo. Uh, This week we're going to be talking about the best covers, the covers that are better than the original. And it was a great show. We've already recorded it. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. And as always, we thank you for taking nearly three hours of your day out to listen to two idiots (laughs) talk about comics. And we really appreciate that. Uh, Have a wonderful day. And don't forget, Take out. This concludes our
0: broadcast. Beep.